Sometimes when you're driving down the road all by yourself, you begin to hear a voice that tells you you need to look around, pay attention. Maybe something isn't quite right. That voice is me. It's the voice of Gord. G'day, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Voice of Gord. Today's episode is pretty special, I guess. Number three in a series asking some pertinent questions about the implementation of autonomous vehicle technology. This one's uh, Ask Us Anything that I advertised a few weeks ago. Finally got around to editing it and tightening it up, making it sound good. Had a real good conversation over on Reed Lostalot's Lost Freight Discord in what he likes to call the arena, where he hosts fairly frequent discussions about many issues around supply chains, freight, trucking, how we move everything about the economy. was very happy to take part in that with my regular automation skeptic guests such as James Year, Will Cook, Scott Douglas, and Edward Escobar. We took many questions from the audience. The discussion was fairly lively and spicy at times, but that's what happens when you get a bunch of truckers and freight bros all into the arena together. If you want to find out more about our guests, check out the show notes. I'll have links to everyone's either social media accounts or websites, and that of my host as well, Reed Lostalot and Lost Freight. Um, lots, of good, lots of good info and details and work out there to check out. If you're inbound here from the Please Advisory podcast, where Reed is going to simultaneously broadcast this, and you've never heard of me or any of my guests, I highly recommend you check out the show notes. Also, come and subscribe to my Substack, autonomoustruckers.substack.com where you will get my fairly frequent writing and podcast output delivered directly to your inbox. I'm also on Spotify and Apple and all the major podcast platforms. If you find this discussion useful, I would advise that you go back through my back catalog. I've spoken with Edward, James, Will, and Scott a few times previously. I've written extensively on the subject. I recently had a podcast with the modern American philosopher Matthew B. Crawford, who has also been asking very pertinent questions about the meaning and consequences of teching all of our humanity away. All right, well, let's get to it. Let's uh, get into Reed's Arena and hash all this stuff out. Just for you guys who are up on the stage, I don't know if you guys are on your phone or on your on your computer or what, but there is a chat room um, that you can see. So all the people who are in the audience can can write in there too. So if you want to have that open, that's up to you. I'm just letting you know it exists. Um, but but yeah, so appreciate you guys coming on. For everyone in the audience, Gord uh, is a esteemed member of this community and has his own show called The Voice of Gord. Uh, has a Substack as well, and um, which you should all subscribe to. I'll send a million links into the into the chat here, so you guys can all do that. Um, anyway, uh, I'm not going to say too much, Gord. Uh, I guess do you want to give everyone 
just an, a brief overview of, of your show and kind of what you do and just intro yourself and then maybe you can intro your guests and then intro the topic and then you guys can kind of go from there. Right. Okay. Reed. Um, thanks very much for having me. And, um, I always feel like I'm on the verge of being kicked out of the lost freight discord, but here we are. Um, you're, you're on thin <laughs> ice. You're on thin <laughs> ice. Not, Perpetually. Not for- you're used to that though. You're used to that. Yeah. I'm used to it being 42 inches thick to carry super bees. All right. So my name's Gord. Uh, yeah, you might have heard my voice if you listen to my podcast, Voice of Gord. I've been on a few other podcasts over the years discussing trucking matters. I was encouraged to start a show, so I did. I also write at autonomoustruckers.substack.com. The name is self-explanatory. One of the subjects I want to explore is the imposition of autonomous technology onto our roads and what it all means. Right, yeah, no problem. So, yeah, on my Substack, uh, I, I mostly put out podcasts. Occasionally, I do some writing. Uh, writing is on, again, autonomous technology, uh, government regulation of the business, other things related to trucking. I've tried to interview a bunch of academics that have studied the business who I don't think get enough airtime. Just mostly trucking-related stuff. And then uh, I dabble in Canadian politics, which is where it gets real spicy. In my uh, pursuit of trying to understand what's going on with this stuff, I've come across some really interesting folks, including uh, the guests here we have this evening who've all been on my show, and I'm going to let them do most of the speaking. Um, we've got Mr. James Year, who's just completing his uh, master's degree at Syracuse University and has been looking into the displacement of workers uh, by this technology. We have Mr. Edward Escobar, who's an activist and like sort of black executive limo driver in San Francisco, who's been doing battle with Uber and Lyft and is very, very well drilled into what's going on with Cruz and Waymo and all these characters. And we also have uh, representing an organization called America Without Drivers, uh, Mr. Scott Douglas. Uh, America Without Drivers is looking to educate the public and policymakers about all of the various other effects and considerations about this technology that should be looked into. I'm mostly going to let those guys speak. Like I say, I just host a podcast and I'm a curious person. I'm more of a loudmouth than anything. But uh, all of these guys here have been on my show a number of times and are, they're the real deal and you should point all their questions to them. Uh, as Mr. Year was the first uh, guest on my podcast ever. I'm going to open the floor with him. James, introduce yourself, sir. Hi. Uh, so I'm James Year. A um, little bit of background on me. I'm uh, originally from a small far- uh, family farm up in Northwest Iowa. Um, immediately after high school, I uh, went off in the United States Air Force and hauled international freight on C-130s for about six years. Um, after that, I attended the University of Iowa, got a degree in sociology, and uh, started picking up a camera the student newspaper there and found a lot of success. And since then I've been pursuing a master's degree in um, multimedia photography and design. And over the last 18 months or so, I've been focused uh, um, almost exclusively on autonomous uh, trucks and artificial intelligence and basically what that means um, for drivers and the broader public. And uh, I've basically done 10,000 miles worth of ride-alongs through about 20 seven states with 20,000 miles of travel total to uh, kind of document where the current state of the technology is 
and uh, how soon it's going to be here and what drivers need to um, know about it, basically, in a nutshell. So, yeah, that's my that's my elevator pitch. Mr. Edward Escobar, would you unmute yourself and introduce yourself to the crew, sir? Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm Edward Escobar. I'm the founder of the Alliance for Independent Workers, a hashtag Drivers Unite movement. Uh, it's national, international in scope. We started uh, pushing back against Uber and Lyft back in uh, 2015. And uh, we were the first to have the largest driver's day of disruption in conjunction with the uh, the SEIU, Service Employees International Union, which is the, the largest membership union uh, nationally. And uh, so it was uh, November 29, 2016, 340 locations, 20 major airports all in one day. So it was the, the first major um, organization of drivers across the country. And we're talking about uh, Uber, Lyft drivers. Um, so from that point on, uh, we've been collaborating with the, uh, we started first with Teamsters and then um, SEIU. Uh, we've collaborated with uh, the ILWU, uh, also Transport Workers Union. Uh, so it's, it's pretty broad, uh, but we also work with others uh, within a coalition of workers that are being rather challenged as being precarious workers in the, in the workplace. Uh, we introduced, uh, this topic of AI automation and self-driving technology as being a major concern early on, uh, to be addressed by, uh, the topics and, uh, the discourse from us, uh, from the trenches. And uh, we found that the organized labor was not receptive. We reached out to also uh, the CTA, the ATA, no interest in any discussion whatsoever. Um, so this has been across the board. Everyone has wanted to stay uh, silent on this topic until uh, it can no longer be ignored. And uh, that's when it becomes so self-evident that it's undeniable. Uh, we've been taking on uh, the Google Waymo and the uh, GM Cruise. We had a lot of news coverage, uh, especially we did an event on Labor Day, the only uh, coalition to have a labor-oriented event on Labor Day in San Francisco, believe it or not. And so uh, we got quite a bit of traction on that. But uh, there was a, a person, a pedestrian, who was killed passing uh, a crosswalk, and uh, their vehicle, emergency transport vehicle, was delayed getting them to the hospital. So therefore, um, the fire blamed uh, General Motors Cruise autonomous robo taxis, uh, two of them that had stalled, and that they they accused them of blocking passage. So tomorrow we have an action in San Francisco in front of the San Francisco DA's office. Uh, basically calling her out, uh, Brooke Jenkins, San Francisco DA, and saying to press charges for manslaughter against technology. Uh, and why is this important? It's because it's a major ethical dilemma uh, uh, of autonomous and big tech being held accountable for uh, their misdeeds and, uh, uh, and liability. Who's going to pay for it? And uh, there's a lot of things that we can discuss here further, 
but that's that's where we're at and we're moving forward we're very concerned about the future of work this is real this is now don't think that this is something in from the movies it's actually happening it's in my backyard uh san francisco is known as the hollywood of tech and this is ground zero and it's being unleashed right now the california public utilities commission already approved a further rollout for profit uh so that's undermining taxi uber lyft and uh commercial passenger transport in san francisco and also a further expansion but the work that we did in in the protest rally we were able to effectively uh push for a decrease uh, and they forced crews to decrease uh, their vehicles by 50 percent on the road so uh it can make a difference if we unite in forces and uh our voices in a coalition. So back to you. All right, Mr. Douglas, go for it, sir. Yeah, I'm uh, associated with Will Cook. Of course, um, my uh, association with him started back in 2018. We just kind of met on the same project and um, kind of hit things off. We were already starting to uh, work on the same page and realized if we combined forces, we could accomplish a heck of a lot more. I ended up becoming the president of America without drivers. And uh, my whole career starting from 2006 has all been, you know, flatbed, covered wagon, steel coil hauling, and then um, a whole lot of uh, RGN stretch flatbed loads, oversize. That's pretty much my repertoire professionally. That's still what I do. And then uh, basically Will and I are can you tell us exactly what America Without Drivers does? Like, what's your history? What's your focus? What are you guys up to? The only thing we're trying to do is basically raise public awareness of the autonomous issue, um, whether it's the general public or, you know, state and federal legislators. Um, there's a lot of ignorance on this. Uh, there's also a lot of um, issues with people who just don't believe this is actually happening or it's just too far off in the future. So we're trying to dispel those myths and make people wake up and realize this is literally happening right under their nose. Right. Well, thank you for joining us, Scott. Okay, so as far as the flow of this AUA is concerned, like I said, I don't know. Um, I've never done Discord before. Maybe Reed can jump in and direct people on how to submit questions. I'm assuming it'll be in the chat or there's like some kind of arm raising function. Yeah, can somebody in the uh, in the audience tell me if the if the raise your hand function is enabled? I know before it was said it wasn't. It was like grayed out or something. So if somebody somebody could just message and say it's disabled. Okay, I, I'm not. I really don't know why that is. Um, so if you want to come up, if you if you have a question, write it in the chat. I'm looking, so I can uh, I can I can stop us and 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 help guide it in that sense. Or if you want to, if you want to join or come up, uh, just write in the chat as well. And I can, I can invite people up. Thank you, Reed. All right. So I guess we're just going to start in the chat. Um, James is typing back to a question from Ahmed. Um, perhaps instead of typing, we can share it with everybody else. Oh, well, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the first question was that, uh, um, do autonomous trucks get taxed any differently for being autonomous? Uh, long story short, I haven't seen anything about that yet. And if anything, it's based to say, you know, if some of the job loss predictions are accurate, like University of Michigan stated that in the foreseeable future, 500,000 drivers 
could be out of a job. And UC Berkeley uh, Labor Center, I believe, a couple of years ago, put it at 2.1 million over the next 20 years or so. So um, as as of now, like there's no um, tax structure around autonomous vehicles, and they'll if they're going to be that effective at displacing that many drivers, it's going to rob the state of all that uh, income tax that they could be getting from those drivers. So it's going to cause some other associated tax issues down the road too. Right. And I would note on that income tax of truckers issue, I believe it's uh, either 27 or 29 states. Truck driver is the number one job in that state, like job occupation, like that, that employs the most people. Yeah, definitely. All right. Any more questions from the floor or do any of our guests want to lead with something? I guess I, I guess I have I have a question to kind of help guide us. What like you know, does anybody wanna like give an overview of like uh just autonomous trucks and like how long it's been a thing, like how long people have been working on it, like what where are we at now, like where does the super pro side wanna take things? Where do you guys want to take things? Like, I, I feel like the the just the conversation needs to be like framed a little bit. Well, I I could tell you I'll, this Edward Escobar here. I could tell you in collaboration with the ILWU, uh, you know, their great concern is about port trucking and basically the activities at the ports and Long Beach being number one uh, port. West Coast is like automated. And if you if you take a look, even on TikTok, they're showing how the uh, automation process is working with the trucks uh, and their their transport of the cargo containers. Uh, so there's there's many uh, globally. There's a number of ports that are completely automated. Uh, so this this is happening already. It's of grave grave concern. Now, what's happening with this AB three sixteen? I don't know. Did James already mention? Uh, where they're looking at trying to postpone, uh, you know, this is the inevitable. What we're trying to do is buy time, right? Uh, because there's no plans for transitioning drivers. Uh, what are we going to do with all these people that are going to be permanently displaced from work? Uh, and, and James and I have had the discussion about folks that they have the, the sleeper carriers, uh, um, where, you know, they basically are, that's their home on wheels. So that's, that's really going to, um, you know, kill their lifestyle. And that's, that's something that truckers, uh, they need to prepare for. Uh, and the government needs to understand and, and have the discussions about transitioning workers because uh, Goldman Sachs had stated that globally they're looking at, they're projecting about 350 million workers to be permanently displaced by AI. Uh, you know, automation and self-driving tech. In in the the UC Berkeley uh, study recently, they they said in the transport sector alone for California, six hundred thousand plus workers. So we're talking big numbers, and and people don't realize that this is not a lineal progression. This is an exponential uh, development. Uh, AI right now, for people who are aware, they see the AI, the Chat GPT, just blowing up. It's it doesn't sleep. It's constantly learning. So um, this is this is real, and this is happening. This is now. 
Adrian has been brought up. You have a question, sir. Yeah. So what are, what are the concerns that truckers have or what, um, yeah. What, what are they scared that's going to happen? Permanent displacement. Immediate, immediate displacement of their jobs. Well, yeah. I mean, independent, you, well, you have, you have the, you know, commercial, uh, transport across the board. You have the independent truckers. And then, and then you have the corporate ones, you know, you have the final mile stuff as well. Um, but they're really going to be going after, uh, you know, the long haul, you know, because that's going to be the easiest to work with in terms of displacing them. Do they think so it, that's real. Overnight or what's that? Do they think it's going to happen overnight or what, uh, what are they afraid that's going to happen? Well, uh, I can speak to the timeline a little bit on this. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, James, you're speaking. Um, so long story short, as far as the timeline and how fast this could happen, um, the first autonomous trucking company called Aurora Trucking um, has announced that their trucks are currently feature complete, so the hardware is ready. And uh, by this time, around this time next year, they're going to be launching commercially within the 20 to 25 trucks down on the I-45 between Dallas and Houston. I-45 is going to be the epicenter of this. This is There's multiple companies like Kodiak, uh, Kodiak and Embark, and a couple other smaller ones that are working on that lane. Um, but basically, Aurora's um, launch is going to be kind of a test bed. And if they can get, if they can prove that the liability is low enough, um, granted, like, no technology is ever perfect and ever will be perfect. You know, guns still jam and tires still go flat. So inevitably, these things will crash and still cause accidents and stuff. But if they can prove that the liability is low enough, um, Aurora Trucking has the uh, OEM partnerships with Packard and Volvo to bring this to scale. They haven't set any directions, as far as I can tell, about how fast um, they can build these things and how fast they'll take over. But I would expect to see you know, potentially thousands of these things um, scurrying around, you know, I-45, I-10, I-40, or I-35, um, I-20 throughout the south, southwest, um, before it snakes up through I-5 on California, you know, depending on uh, AB-316 and similar, similar regulations. Um, so that's kind of the time frame. There is also another company called Plus AI. Um, Amazon bought a 20% stake in that company back in 2021, and they ordered 1,000 retrofit kits um, to upgrade their existing fleets to autonomous. Um, that company has 10,000 units sold globally between the U.S. and China, and whenever they get enough data to get the algorithm good enough, in two or three years, um, there could be a whole shitload of ones from that company, too. But there's hardly any reporting on Plus AI's current um, status in here. But as far as timeline goes um, and which markets are going to be affected first, it's going to be um, parcel reefer and uh, dry van stuff down the south and southwest is where you're going to see it. Oh, and as far as, far as the total displacement things, um, there's no uh, academic um, researcher or a think tank out there that wants to say this is going to happen in five years or 10 years or 20 years. They don't want to put a date on it because there's too many different variables. Um, but I think within, you know, 10, 15 years or so, that 15 or that 500,000 uh, driver figure could be realistic because ultimately each one of these trucks is going to be able to do the work of between two and two and a half drivers. So you only need about 200,000 of these things to really cause a problem. And Ed Edward Escobar here. You have to see as they're rolling out the electrical vehicles, 
they're looking at at basically combining that whole rollout where it's electronic uh, i mean electrical vehicles and autonomous so so it's done at the same time by in california alone by 2035 they're saying that they they want to eliminate any uh, petroleum based vehicles so they're they're trying to coincide those um but it's it's happening and in san francisco the robo taxis are already in effect you have google waymo out in the streets um and then you've got uh, the gm cruise you also have zooks too as well but the zooks is 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 still uh, not carrying passengers uh, google waymo and gm cruise they're authorized already as of august 10th uh to charge so it's for profit and um that's where it's at right so i want to get to some questions from the chat here um dad of two towing asks who pre-trips these trucks i would imagine and like i i listened to a podcast with the one, the ceo guy of aurora and you know they make these sort of claims about you know drivers are just going to have different kinds of jobs well those different kinds of jobs is you're going to be standing around at the terminal you're going to be the pre-trip guy or you're going to you know, let's say you live way outside of town, you'll be at some rest area and they're going to have like mobile mechanics and people minders, as it were, looking after these trucks. I mean, obviously they can't get rid of the humans for certain aspects like tying down loads. So there's going to be like, if they have autonomous flatbed guys, they'll have people tying all the loads down before they bang onto a robot truck. You know, like I think all that stuff is fairly simple to figure out. Um, next question here. Where is the technology at in terms of being able to handle severe cold on long hauls from someone called PHCK Trucks? I'm going to punt that one to James. Uh, as far as I can tell, they haven't been doing any mass testing up in northern climates during the winter. I did see, um, uh, man, I think it was two simple sent some trucks up north during the winter, but um, they're not doing that on mass yet. So, like, basically any time when you're trying to automate anything, you always go for the lowest common denominator and the easiest thing first. And there's tons of value and uh, just an ungodly amount of money to be made down south. Um, so, like, I think I-45 um, is worth about 3 to $4 billion annually. So it's going to take time for them to expand up to the northern states. I think Aurora Trucking said um, they don't expect to be up in New England until, like, at least around 2030. And, like, those investor reports from them are, are pretty bullish. Um, so they're a little bit overconfident, I think um it'll be up here eventually it just kind of comes down to how many trucks um and how much data that they're able to get to feed the algorithm if they can get enough data basically anything is or anything is possible at that point but um you'll be seeing down on you'll be seeing it down the south first uh james another another question here i think i'm going to send to you um from billy stock from billy stockton can you steel man the argument for autonomous trucks? Is there validity to the other side's argument? Uh, <clears throat> okay, so like these trucks are going to be able to drive around the clock, um, you know, 24 7, 365. They are going to be faster. There are going to be some benefits for like reefer um, trailers because, like, if you can get cross country in two days, that means produce is going to be fresher for longer for consumers. Um, there is uh, fuel benefits. So, like with Plus AI system, you automatically get a 10% increase in fuel economy, which more than pays for the hardware of the vehicles, which are like you know currently listed at like seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars for the retrofit kits. 
Um, there's probably other ancillary benefits, but um, yeah, there's always going to be benefits with this technology. But overall, like artificial intelligence and robotics technology is being implement, uh, currently implemented in every single market simultaneously. So um, this isn't just trucking we're talking about. We're talking about red red jobs, blue jobs, white collar and blue collar jobs all across the U.S. Um, so it's kind of indicative of that problem where if we, you know, if truckers in five, 10 years start losing their jobs, driving jobs, they might not be able to get another one. And that fundamentally is the biggest problem that we have is our politics are already in a dumpster fire now. And if people aren't able to find work and support themselves, like we'll all be living in a giant dumpster fire <laughs> so that's that's kind of what i'm worried about but uh long story short there probably are benefits but um i don't see those benefits as outweighing the consequences it's edward escobar here look they're selling it on safety and also the driver shortage is how they're selling it to the general public and people don't know any better so they are eating this up um when it's not proven um, you have to realize that big tech, they're also not very honest and forthright about their data. They, they hold it to be proprietary. So even in the case where there was this stall of two vehicles in San Francisco and they were blocking, uh, egress of the emergency vehicles to get this, this, uh, this injured person out, um, that was a GM cruise vehicles. So their, their, their tech, they're saying it's proprietary, their video, they did not want to share that freely. Um, so, you know, if you or I were to, to do something like this, we would have to fully disclose everything that occurred and the technology would basically be able to be used against us to, to testify against us in their case, you don't even know. I mean, with the sophistication of, of AI now, they could even doctor a video. And I wouldn't put it past them, to be honest, because withholding is, is also fraud. Withholding information is, is considered fraud because it's a misrepresentation of fact. And so they've, they're notorious. Uh, these folks, they take uh, pages out of the playbooks of how Uber uh, was able to ride roughshod over, over transportation uh, infrastructure and, and um, sectors and basically do whatever the hell they wanted whenever they wanted however they wanted and um and all they'd do was pay the fines until they they became legitimized even though they're not legit they're it's illegal their operation is still illegal it goes against the fair labor standards act national labor relations act um so but there goes to show you what money can do for you these are multi-billion dollar multinational corporations they've got the power they've got the lobbying power they've got the money They've got the connections and, and they've got the politicians in their back pockets. So back to you. All right. I want to bring Scott and Will in from America without drivers. Scott hasn't said too much yet. And I think Will is chomping at the bit. If he would simply <laughs> unmute himself, I will cede him the floor. Okay. Um, yeah, I think Will's trying to get on now if he isn't already. So um, he's here. He's I guess he's not big thing. <laughs> Uh, well, my big thing here, you know, to kind of piggyback on what Edward had to say and, you know, James and all of us have discussed this before, but there's three elements to what the uh, autonomous developers, you know, tell people. There's the public element that they tell the general public, which is mostly smoke and mirrors. You got 
a second element, which is what they tell all the politicians, whether it's state or federal politicians, um, that's mostly smoke and mirrors too. And then whatever else they do behind the scenes, lobbying to get, you know, regulations and stuff pushed through that they want. And then there's what they tell the investors. And that's where the real truth comes in because you can't lie on that investment prospectus. You have to tell the truth on that. That's actually federal law. And if you want to really know where they're going with this, read that investment prospectus. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Do you have any examples real quick that we can, like, I can go and look and dump in the chat, Scott? I can look for them. Just give me some names and I'll dump them. Like, just just tell me what to look for. Uh, Kodiak's probably one of the biggest and so's Aurora. Yeah, so if you go to... If you go to ir.auroratrucking, I think it is, it'll bring you to like their most recent investor reports. And uh, the most informative one that I've seen is the 2021 investor report from Aurora. I think it's called the market thesis, market breakdown, something like that. But uh, that's like 40, 50 slides of everything, you know, uh, timeline rollout, um, which routes they're going to do first, uh, the history and blah, 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 blah. All that kind of stuff is in there. Also, you can find them on LinkedIn. They love to tell you everybody what they're doing on LinkedIn, too. <laughs> on those investor uh, prospectuses, uh, I've read a bunch of the ones James has sent to us. And in every single investment prospectus and on ev all of their marketing copy and on all of their websites, every single autonomous truck manufacturer repeats the same baloney from the American Trucking Association about the driver shortage, which is very interesting to me how like these, you know, very highly funded billion dollar companies being told what they want to hear, don't know that it's actually bunkum and the way they talk about this is lacking in nuance and is extremely deceptive. And I have to wonder if there's any lawyers out there that could figure out how to fight them on this because they're basically telling everybody, here's this tech, to fix a problem that doesn't actually exist. Hey, Gordon, can I reply to that real quick? Yes, sir. So basically, I look at it like this, because, you know, to a certain degree, uh, the autonomous developers are tied in with the ATA members. So I, I just see this as them basically parroting ATA talking points because they're basically in cahoots with each other. So they're basically telling the ATA line to all the investors for the simple fact that that's going to help move the technology along and nobody's going to be the wiser. Well, that's why we're here, sir. Hey, Will, have you figured out how to unmute yourself yet, bud? <laughs> um, while he's figuring that out, I have a, I have a, I have a question. So like, is I, I Dom Tulo asked a question above, that was that was interesting. Uh, he said, "How do you really stop something like this from happening?" Is the goal? I mean, and I guess you know maybe you aren't all aligned on this. Maybe you are. Is the goal like to try to stop it? Like, is that is that is that possible? One, is it that is that the goal? Two, is that possible? All right, that's it. Here's this Edward Escobar. Um, you know, I was in in Sacramento uh, this morning today with uh, James. Actually, I got him in there and uh you know in speaking with the president uh, of the local council seven teamsters you know we have this discussion that you know it's it's not that we're against tech we're just against tech that benefits the few at the expense of the many and that's what we see happening here and they're not 
honest and forthright. Even even speaking to their investors, they speak in very lofty, kind of broad sweeping terms that are that can be perceived as being rather misleading. Okay, so they're always super optimistic, but they they know better. Just as Scott said, that they have to watch from the legal uh, standpoint that it's not misrepresentation, uh, you know, actionable fraud. Um, but yeah, to an- to answer your question, there is our discussion here is to bring notice to the general public and say this is real, folks. We need to start. The dialogue, the discussion from the key stakeholders, from the trenches. We can't wait for regulators because they're way behind the curve. Uh, uh, legislators, uh, uh, you know, forget about ATA and CTA because these folks are in bed with these uh, corporate mega carriers, which are the ones who want to dominate and control all this and basically boot the independent uh, truckers out. And, you know, because they, they don't have that, they want to control the full market. Um, so you got to look at things like what Uber, that's why Uber got into Uber Freight. Because, uh, you know, what they're doing is trying to uh, gather all the, the, the contacts and, and basically then flip a switch and have a fully autonomous so that they are able to pocket the, the profits. This is, this is 100% profits before people. And this is this is basically the corporations against the working class, you know. And and it's as you saw the industrial revolution. This is different because the industrial revolution. What they did is they reskilled and retrained the workers so they could do other jobs. In this case, AI automation, autonomous, is is taking up all these other jobs. Even janitorial, believe it or not, I've seen janitorial robotics that perform the services uh extremely and, and, and is that is that a bad that that is a bad full stop bad thing in your mind it's bad in the sense that when you have a uh, permanent displacement of of human of workers then what's going to happen to the future of work for workers so so what's yeah so it's bad it's bad in 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 so far as it results in people not having other options for work that's what you mean right and yeah, even okay. if you do universal basic income, okay, mind you, if you do that, what about the purposefulness? What the you have to have? You know what happened during COVID, right? Even people that were getting paid even to stay home, and they had enough to cover their bills, but these folks were going loonies staying at home because they didn't have anything to do. They didn't have any focus. I mean, look at all this crime that's that's developed from lack of stimuli to the youth. And what's going on? All of that is all connected, people. This is the, this is the real deal. And so we have to have discussions. Certain things, the ethical dilemma, as I mentioned, you know, if these vehicles, they can't determine who they're going to kill, who they're going to save, and then who's going to be held liable. You know, exposure, as I mentioned, to the, the EMFs. Um, you know, there's a human social cost. And what's that going to mean? We have to measure. There's there's no social Im, there's no impact studies being done across the board. What's happened? What's going to happen to our economies? Uh, you know, and scale. It's 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 you're talking about a global thing. The genie's already out of the bottle. The toothpaste is out of the toothpaste tube. It's not going to go back in. Uh, on so the point us, of, no, oh, sorry, us Edward, knowing that we have to have the. 
we have to have the dis discussion. Go ahead, Court. Yeah, so you're bringing up some sort of deeper questions here. You know, uh, the meaning derived from work, and I just want to recommend a book to everybody here listening. I spoke about it a lot when I was still on Bird App. I just interviewed the author two weeks ago. Uh, I'm hoping to get that podcast out tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, Why We Drive by a fellow named Matthew B. Crawford. Sort of one of the finest pieces of modern philosophy I've ever read. And, you know, one of the reasons I started my Substack and started interviewing people and asking these questions was like, you know, it's not just that I like being a trucker. Like people derive a lot of meaning and a lot of value from being able to drive because there's something deep inside us that says navigating reality is fun, useful, and does something for us at a very deep psychological level. And throwing all that away immediately, just like we all lost our jobs overnight during COVID, is going to be a bad time. And like Edward said, we need to talk about this. I'm not necessarily like against technology, automation, whatever. I mean, I'm skeptical of it in many ways, but the primary concern to answer Reed's question is not whether or not we can stop it because like, you know, someone in the chat mentioned industrial revolutions. You know, I, I don't know if like we're Luddites or not or whatever, but like we need to be prepared for it and we need to be asking these questions and we can't just let the sort of tech bros influence the government and just drop it on us as a fait accompli without engaging with these considerations. And, and that, Scott, and you want to take it? Well, real quick though, what Gord's saying is Edward Escobar. What's saying, Gord's saying is, is very valid because see, if we don't drive this from the trenches, then you're going to have, as Gord says, the tech bros, they're going to be determining what, what the legislators, what the regulators should impose on them. Do we put the Fox in charge of the hen house? No, that hey, would be, be careful. Hey, be careful what you say about tech bros, bro. We got some tech bros in here, right? Well, <laughs> I'm just you know, kidding. You know what I'm saying? I mean, basically, we're talking about the tech titans, tech titans of Silicon Valley, big tech. But also, too, let's look at big data as well. Big data, big data is a future currency of the world. You know, because data is a form of you know a control mechanism as well. Our, our virtual identity. We've got some, some other people. We've got some other people in here. Unless Scott, I think Scott was trying to say something. Scott, I, yeah, I don't know. Basically, if you're... It, I keep reiterating this, but look, we've said this before in another podcast. This is a Wild West scenario when it comes to regulations, whether it's federal or state. There virtually are none right now. And FMCSA, along with the larger DOT umbrella, is basically just putting forward proposals at this point, just, just pure proposals. Same thing at the state level. There's proposals, but there's no rock hard re regulations on the books ready to go. So between what, that what kind and of, then. What kind of regulation are you looking for? Like what, I, like, you know, if we want to uh, attach like some high, broad, like buckets of conversation, like questions, like regulation, like is that. What do you think about that? I guess that's something interesting we could talk about. Like, where Scott, yeah, I guess you start. Uh, well, I mean, we've got the whole hours of service thing that we don't, you know, we have to worry about that. They don't. Um, we've talked about, you know, as far as pre-trip, post-trip, mid-trip inspection, all that kind of stuff. 
Sure, they can figure that out. But there again, there's no regulation yet saying they have to do that. That has not been worked out yet. That's one major area. Um, uh, I have a perspective or question, I guess, for the speakers. But like, if the regulation itself was structured more so around a limitation as to how many vehicles any given operator um, could own at any given time, um, how, how, if at all, would that change any of your perspectives? So that, for example, big tech, which I think is the fear for a lot of people here um, that, are, that are voicing concern, is that big tech will own it all. They'll displace all the drivers. But what happens if there's, let's say that there's a limit on how many trucks, driverless trucks, specifically driverless trucks, um, any given operator can own and uh, maybe make it possible for owner operators to own a vehicle two or three um, in the same sense that a real estate investor today uh, owns one, two, three, four properties. Um, and I'm just curious what, what other people might think about that. Yeah, that's a valid point that you made because we've had the discussion about what would that look like. And, and yes, possibility of, of running it as a co-op style where uh, independent uh, truckers are able to pull their resources and, and own the means of production, as you're saying, the vehicles. Because right now, those vehicles would be rather cost prohibitive you know, for an individual to be able to take that on. So that's why, you know, the, the big tech, they control the technology. So, uh, you know, basically they have patents on it and so on and so forth. So that's how they're able to control who would have access to even be able to, to run this, this technology. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, that at the end of the day, they can have it patented all they want, but if there's nobody buying that, product that they're selling, then they're not going to obviously make any money on it. So I guess it's a matter of how many can they sell to one particular company? Um, can, I, go can I hop in here with a couple thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So the, oh, the first, the, the, hey, Reed, how are you? What's um, up, dude? Go ahead. So the first thing I think you know, I, certainly there's this fear that you guys are talking about that, you know, I think at least in the way that a lot of these companies um, frame it is is warranted. But I don't know if it's, I'll say, likely or reality in that, you know, everybody sold autonomous trucks as like, oh, a five to 10 year thing five to 10 years ago. And I would say we're still a long way away um, from that and you know all these autonomous companies many of them raised tens of billions or hundreds of billions of dollars and burned through all that and have shut down so you know to me and and i have you know i could talk for probably hours on autonomous vehicles and how far away i think we actually are uh so long as we have non-autonomous vehicles on the road um so i mean unless we're taking HOV lanes or things like that and dedicating them to autonomous vehicles, I think we're still pretty far away. Um, so that that's the first point. And then se the second point is, you know, you can you can look at it as they're trying to take all the truck driver jobs, or you can look at it as they're trying to have a technology. And, and so I guess back to that first point, I think 
for quite a while. Um, and who knows, maybe forever. Um, as long as there's autonomous trucks, there's going to be need to be someone in the truck, I would argue, that's capable of driving it. So the driver's job may change significantly, but I think there's going to be a person in that truck for the next 30 to 40 years. Joe, might I add, I, I want to I critique what you just said here in a constructive manner. Sure. Uh, um, this notion that drivers are going to sit and babysit, uh, say, a level three or level four autonomous truck that's doing 80 or 90 percent of the work and then still be awake to take over during an emergency situation is is fantasy pure and simple like they're talking about a driver shortage now which is bs but imagine like when your job is to just sit there and babysit a truck and then like you're responsible if the robot does something wrong and you can't react to it in time uh from the perspective of uh 26 years behind the wheel of one of these things good mm -hmm. effing luck with that well yeah the rainbow accident proves that yeah yeah so so I, I, and you could go down a big rabbit hole there. I don't disagree with you there and I'm not a driver. So I certainly defer to you, but I think there's two scenarios. There's the scenario where they have someone in the truck, not really to be making sure that the autonomous truck doesn't do something it's not supposed to. Cause I, I think, I think you're going to either have where the driver needs to be engaged fully as if they are driving or they don't have to be engaged at all, but they need to be present to be able to maybe navigate once they get off highways or to pull into docks or to drive through cities or to do something if, you know, if any of the systems break. Because I guess that's the way one of the things that I see as a big stumbling block and hurdle to this really being successful is, um, I mean, just look at autonomous cars, right? They're all the challenges they have navigating the, the Chevy cruise, I would say um, the, I forget the, I think it's yeah, cruise is the, uh, uh, is the company there. They seem to be the furthest along, but like there's some very simple things that screw up that system that make them unable to move and things like that. Well, when you're talking a vehicle that's, you know, 10 times or well, not 10 times, you know, however many times as long, um, you know, you have way more sensors, data requirements. I just don't think we're anywhere close to being able to do that anywhere other than on a highway and anywhere other than when you're surrounded by other autonomous vehicles, when you know exactly what everyone else is going to do because everyone else is programmed a certain way. Um, so I think, you know, I, I guess that's, that's, I'll, I'll, stop talking but my my i guess final thought is i think this is still much farther off than we we want it we, we believe it to be and i think we'll we'll see that you know over time um what it what it ends up looking like is, you know is, is a question and i think the other question is does this does this become a technology that truly d displaces people or does it become a technology that allows drivers to you know maybe have more desirable uh you know a lifestyle that's more desirable to them uh and those sorts of things um you know with maybe more home time and things like that it allows them more flexibility in that than than what the the uh you know job has traditionally allowed 
it should be the latter, particularly given that the generation is changing, um, younger workforce is coming in and they have different expectations about what a job actually is supposed to entail. Um, not many younger people generation are maybe hardcore as some of the old, old school truckers, which I don't know if people would agree with that or not here, but definitely from what I see, at least, um, a lot of younger drivers complain about them, like a manual, something as simple as like a manual gearbox. Like you can't learn to, you know, to stick, uh, to drive stick. And it's pretty much like a, almost a, a requirement at this point for a big fleet to have automatic transmissions because otherwise they won't be able to, uh, you know, recruit, a, you know, new drivers. But to the, to, to Joe's point, I, I think. No, they we, can recruit new drivers. They have to spend the money training them. That's BS. In which sense? The, 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 uh, the manual, the automatic transmission thing is just like autonomous technology itself. It's from the top down. It's not from the market up. The market never demanded any of this stuff. This is just people deciding to build something and then see if it will fly and then having to bring the marketing departments in to psyop all of us into believing that de-skilling ourselves from not being able to operate a piece of machinery and have some new piece of technology do it for us. This, this is all top-down stuff, man. You can teach anybody to operate a manual transmission. It's not hard. Like, sure, this, they I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not, I'm not attacking you, but what I'm saying is there's a fundamentally anti-human um, substrate to all of this talk about, like, well, we can't get people to do this. No, you can. You have to teach them, and you have to show them that it's actually, like, good, meaningful work and pay them appropriately for it. But do they want to drive manual or do they prefer automatic? So oh, can I piggyback on that, Gord? Yeah, I, uh, I've got something to... Um, hey, let, about yeah, let James talk. Let James talk here. He, he's been typing. Yeah. Sorry, James. Go go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no worries. So, uh, long story short, um, in Rory's uh, most recent shareholder letter, they claim that 50% uh, of all the trucks they're sending out on the road are operating entirely 100% autonomous with no driver intervention whatsoever. The other 25% is operating at 99%. So the hardware is ready, the software, the algorithm to do the transfer hub model, which is basically on-ramp to off-ramp only. Are you guys still there? Did I lose you? We're here. Uh, you're here. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I just heard a funny noise. Um, so like <clears throat> at least for on-ramp to off-ramp for the transfer hub model on open stretches of interstates, the technology is nearly there. And it doesn't have to be level five, like pumping dock to dock, first mile, middle mile, last mile sort of a thing to be uh, causing a lot of damage. A lot of drivers can and likely will be displaced um, from even far imperfect technology. And basically over the course of the next year, uh, they're getting as many real world driving miles for the data and uh, supplementing that with, uh, I think last I read, there are over 5 billion miles worth of uh, virtual data that they basically get from video games or pro computer programs like video games and trade these things to get uh, the capability up enough to lower the liability to be commercially viable. So like the technology, like for what drivers need to be worried about line haul and parcel and uh, reaper work, it's, it's nearly here. It's not going to be take 20 years for this to happen. It's, it's basically here now. James, I think. Also, you got to look at what's going on in San Francisco, you know, putting, putting size aside truck versus, you know, passenger, uh, transport vehicles, you, you know, a lot of this commentary is based on an assumption that the government really cares about the safety 
of of the general public. That's not the case because they're they're driven hard by the big tech campaign contributions. In in California alone, Governor Newsom received ten million dollars for his twenty twenty campaign. So that helps to skew things. And to answer the question, there's no fear here. We're having a rational discussion about the possibilities so that we can address them before it becomes situation critical. Because once this technology is deeply entrenched, try to undo something that's already been done, that's been spent, that billions of dollars have been invested in there. Good luck. It's not going to happen. So that's why we're trying to anticipate before this occurs where it's already set in stone. So that way we can help to shape the rollout of this. But we, it has to come from the trenches. We have to have the dialogue. This is not from an um, emotionally knee-jerk reaction to doing this. I've been pursuing this stuff for years now. James, a number of us folks have been pursuing this this area of discussion for years so this is not just overnight and we're not doing this you know for the hell of it this is something that extremely serious and that impacts all areas of work even surgeons you all you have to do is look at what's going on online and you'll see the technology is so super advanced there's technology we don't even know how advanced it is and it's out there it has not been the switch has not been flipped yet. We don't wait for them to flip the switch and it's too late. We have these discussions with key stakeholders from the trenches now before it's too late. Uh, one thing to consider here is how long it takes, how long it takes a uh, OEM, like a PECAR, Navistar, um, Daimler, Freightliner, to actually go through engineering cycles and their typical engineering cycles about eight to like seven, six to seven years. So when introduce a new type of design, it takes six to seven years for that actually to come out into production. Now, all of these AV companies are practically software providers. So they don't own the design of the vehicle. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because what is the priority for the OEMs at the moment? The priority is not autonomous or driverless technology. The, the priority for them at the moment is electrification, making sure that the vehicle first becomes electric and only then will they start to actually think about in, incorporating the, the AV technology at scale. They might, do a couple, they might do a couple of deployments with one of these software providers, but at the end of the day, we're talking about quite a long time, time frame before they even get these trucks to be electric. And I mean, if you look at GM Cruise, if you look at Waymo, or if you look at, I mean, those are really the only two that actually in San Francisco, you can see those cars are driven without a driver. They're electric vehicles. And they're, the reason that those platforms are chosen is because there's fewer parts and fewer points of failure. So an uh, internal combustion engine like, uh, like a truck has so many parts or points of failure that it makes it that much more complex and difficult to actually prove the efficacy of such a system working safely on you know just one given road, um, especially like if that road has a certain type of terrain, certain type of road um, surface, 
Like certain roads will be more bumpier than others. Certain roads will be less maintained uh, over than others. And how do you prove that on you know this road, this vehicle will perform you know ninety nine point nine 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 nine, basically about seven to eight nines after the decimal point um, percent of the time will operate safely. Um, and that really that the, that trail of nines is the question here. How many miles are these trucks from these AV software companies? actually driving on the road or at least on whatever route they want to deploy on first in order to prove that trail of nines so they have to drive really on the same route they have to really drive it for at least for in a trucking scenario in, in my view like probably 50 to 100 times more miles if not more than that to prove that these vehicles actually like work because otherwise, just testing in a simulator, I mean, it, if you just, if you can simulate the world, then it begs, like I wrote this in the chat, it's like, it kind of begs the question, are we living in a simulation? It's obviously, it's kind of like a joke, but the point is, is that you can't really simulate the real world. And so when, when these companies claim that they are using simulators, they're using it for like very basic test cases. They're not using it to test like the entire system. The real test is when they actually put these vehicles on the road, and there's really no other way around it. Like you, you can't really test the plane unless you start, unless you fly it a couple of times. Um, so, what's your question? I've I've got something to kind of address that. Um, so that company Plus AI, uh, they have a driver in solution, and it's been in mass production already since uh, 2021. And for all intents and purposes, like at least for trucking, like the hardware is already there. Like solving the hardware side of things is the easy part for the most part, unless you consider like the GPUs for how big the algorithm is, right? So that company has 10,000 units um, on order and are being delivered between the US and China. Amazon has a thousand of those things, right? So if Amazon has a thousand of those things that are operating at roughly like 100,000 miles a year, you know, you can scale up real world data uh, pretty quickly at an exponential rate for that. And that company's goal is to get 8 million or 8 billion uh, real world driving miles uh, before their system is going to be um, able to achieve level four autonomy, right? So, like that system eight billion? is hmm? eight billion. Yeah, they said eight billion. Um, so, yeah, like how many trucks they want to do that? Huh? Uh, so they've like got to order. So they've uh, Amazon's order is was being delivered at scale as of uh, 2022. Um, so that accounts for a thousand of them if that's already been fully filled. Um, as far as the other clients, I can't find any data on that whatsoever. I'm just taking their company at face value on that. But mm -hmm. in their 2021 investor report, they were saying 8 billion is their goal. And I'm sure they're probably going to supplement that with virtual miles on top of that too. So like, um, like for them to be able to hit level four and start kicking the driver out for like Amazon parcel market stuff, um, we might only be two, three years away from that being a reality. I actually drove one of their trucks last year. Um, they told me that every, yeah, the truck, the platform I was in was level two. Um, but they said like absolutely nothing hardware wise was stopping them from flipping it over to level four or five, whatever scale you're using. Um, Wait, what's where, holding them back? This was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, they brought one of their trucks over to our uh, convention in Chattanooga at a F3 last year. And they they invited everyone in attendance to, Go for a ride along, but because I still had a CDL, um, they asked if I wanted to drive it. I said absolutely, um, and they were telling me, you know, Wiley was his name. The um, he used to work for FMCSA. Now he's on their board, and he was telling me that like 
as far as the capabilities for level for full autonomy, you know, complete completely driverless, the truck can actually absolutely do it as is. Um, what's stopping them from doing it right now in the U.S. is the legislative hurdles. Right. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to want to talk to you more about that because uh, I, I want to know as much as possible about that company. <laughs> and like, there's so little out there about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were nice people, but it, to me, it sounds like there's there might be some like um, I I, th- I think they deal with a lot of Chinese um, software on the side too. So I, I think that I think they they test they do a lot of testing here, and then um, most of the level four, level five stuff is happening overseas in China. Yeah, I, I know they're uh, pretty multinational. So um, yeah, China's a you know eight hundred another eight hundred billion dollar trucking market over there. So that's it's going to be a big scene for them. If you want, I can. They recorded my whole drive. Um, the whole thing's not up, but they they put it like in a nice little edited package. Um, I can send you the Dropbox link um, if you'd like to see it. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Sure. As far as the rollout, this Edward Escobar, as far as rollout of technology, using San Francisco and California as an example, um, you know, there's a presumption on on the part of the commentator, the comment that was made regarding this rollout. It's not a lineal project uh, progression in terms of this rollout. Um, This is exponential because the technology is, is like that. They've got these, you know, as far as development, it doesn't have to be to that level where from a safety standpoint that that the common sense would say it's it's not ready. San Francisco's perfect example with the California Public Utilities Commission, the San Francisco fire chief, the police, the representative from the city of San Francisco said that the technology is not ready for prime time, not ready for prime time, not ready for prime time. Numerous times from different sources. Uh, uh, an associate of mine who has the LA Department of Transportation, Jarvis Murray, he was on a Zoom call with the, the California Public Utilities Commissioners. He said to them, it is not ready. Despite everyone saying no, 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 they still did it. Okay, so this doesn't make sense. But what it does do is it makes billions of dollars for these corporations that have to answer to their investors. Can I get in on this? Francisco is a very well, let me just finish real quick. The California Public Utilities Commission then defers. They say it's not our job. They say you need to have the Department of Motor Vehicles and the uh, the NHSTA or TSA, the, the National Highway Transportation uh, uh, Safety Administration, that they're the ones that have to uh, regulate as far as the effect, efficacy and the safety on the road. So this is finger pointing that's happening from one bureaucracy to another. In the meantime, us, we are being guinea pigged and that's, and they don't care. And that's happening time and time again. So back to you guys. Can I, can I butt in here now? Yeah. Hey, hey, I, hey, I'm gonna, I, I, well, I, I, hold on. Yeah. Let's, um, just, there's lots of people trying to get in. Just want to remind everybody to like you know raise your hand or ask a question in the chat. Will's been having technical difficulties and he's a very honored guest. So we're gonna let Will go and then Adrian and then this Satvic A person. Let's go. All right, guys. I'm with America Without Drivers, founder of America Without Drivers, and what got me into this? I'm just gonna short form this for you real quick and show a little bit of credibility. 
back when this black smoke matters came came in i didn't know anything about advocacy work in the trucking industry or anything like that and back in 2018 but before i came into it i came across some youtube videos from volvo the dealer of volvo of the models of how they were going to run uh, driverless trucks across the country on interstate 80 and interstate 40 okay this was before i even got into any of this once I got into it, and I wouldn't have got into it then, but I got a divorce and I was out here on the road and I bought a truck. I was with Walmart. I seen their future plans that they had bought an autonomous truck. And so I started studying. I ended up with a partner of mine in the beginning that is with the biggest trucking school in the United States, which means it's the biggest trucking school in the world. Okay, I won't mention names, drop names on this show. But we started doing a lot of research, a lot of digging. We pulled up white papers all the way back to 2015. This is nothing new. In 2015, Obama put a, a group together, Google, Apple, um, all them guys, brought them in, five of them. This is on record. You guys seem to be pretty smart on this show. Go look it up yourself. He brought them together and said, how are we going to transition these guys? President Bush, during the Middle East War, at the beginning of it, our boys were getting killed over there in roadside bombs. And he says, how can we stop this? And that's what they use for the excuse to open it up from Silicon Valley. And this is proven. Okay, these we did white papers. We checked out the studies on it and so forth like that. So they called over to Silicon Valley, said, what can we do? When they opened up the, the Pandora box for them over there, it opened up here for us to and it, and it started it was the gateway to start getting letting the trucks go autonomous i've been listening to you guys autonomous has been around for a while the military has been using it you guys asked about winter driving winter driving you have to go look it up i will do it i will get it i've had it in the past they they were already testing winter driving in russia first of all that's one secondly you got to figure snyder's partnered with uh aurora uh, all these companies are partnered together. Mega carriers are, are partnered. FedEx uh, with Kodiak, all these guys are partnered up. They're testing up in Minnesota. They've been testing up in Minnesota for the last two years. Okay. Think about Snyder's skid pad that they have. Think about these mega carriers. Think about the property. This is all private information. They don't have to tell you about this. Okay. They don't have to, not on private property. They don't have to tell you about the crashes on private property. They're self insured. Okay, you're, you're talking about the miles that these guys are running and logging. Every mile that truck runs, I went to Too Simple. I drove in there like I owned the place there in Arizona, right on their facility, right on the site. I got it from all the way from the top. The dude from the FMCSA that, was, that retired from the union, okay, called me. I talked to him. We had great conversations about what was going on. These guys... They get out here, if they're driving that truck, it's still miles on that truck that's being logged as driven safe. You've got so many trucks that are out here, whether there's a driver behind the wheel or whether it's driverless that's turning miles all the time, hauling freight. That one gentleman, no disrespect about how does it affect you. They're already in this spot market, in the market and trucking industry right now, freight, there's over 500 trucks, over 500 trucks hauling freight for pay right now, which is taking freight away from 
the regular public, owner operators, lease operators, so forth like that. They are taking a loss in it, yes, but they're still taking it away from the market, okay? So to say that it's not going to, it already is affecting it, all right? It's already affecting it. And I'm, 500 is a low number of what's running. These trucks are running 24-7, seven days a week. Where I think James said that we can't compete with the, the teams, can't even compete with these trucks. That's not true. If you want a fighting fact, a team is going to sit there outside of using the restroom. These trucks have to stop and fuel anyways. If you put a team in that truck and you go along with the autonomous truck, that team is going to run just as hard as that autonomous truck if it's a good team. Now, for you to start talking about team drivers, you have to either be a team driver or been in that field to be credible to talk about what teams can do. On record right now, I can say, I can't really say safely where you're going to say, okay, well, autonomous could do that. Autonomous aren't running over the speed limit. First of all, they're running slower than the speed limit. Okay, that's that's one. And that's probably a good reason why this is conspiracy, but there's probably enough facts there to where it's not conspiracy, why they're wanting to slow everybody down because these autonomous trucks can't react as quick as what a driver behind the wheel can. Okay, so, I mean, there's plenty of arguments to push back against this, but the arguments that you're coming with because of the lack of knowledge in this and of not being a driver, you're failing to see and the people in the tech are listening to you and just laughing. And you're not even close, okay? Truthfully, and I'm not trying to be disrespect, disrespectful, Gord, but these, you guys are way, you're thinking in your own, it, it, with your own perspective, and you're not looking at it from 30,000 feet. We have to do what we're doing. China's way ahead of us. Russia, way ahead of us right now. China massively is ahead of us in driverless. We have no choice. They're not going to put these trucks back in a box. The Pandora box is open. They're not putting it back. You're thinking just, you're looking at this from 10,000 feet or 15,000 feet, and you need to get up to 30,000 feet and look around the world. They're running these trucks in Australia. They're running these trucks in Ireland. They're running autonomous trucks all over the freaking world right now. Um, James just pointed it out. So you're just seeing a small little speck of what's right in front of the hood, and you're not looking way up the road. This is coming, and it's coming a lot faster than what you guys are thinking. They're already running mail from Houston on a regular basis. I went down there. I took videos of these trucks pulling in and out of the fuel island. They're already running mail from Dallas to Houston. They're running from California uh, into, into Texas. They're running Florida. These trucks are running, dude. To say that, oh, it's not going to be in our lifetime or it's going to be 20, 30 years down the road. No, that's bullshit. They're doing it now. A lot of it. They're hauling freight for pay right now. Okay. Is there a driver in the seat? Yes, but he ain't driving that sucker. If, if you see two people in an autonomous truck, that truck is driving itself. If you see one person in the truck, that driver is driving it hauling freight. He will not go into driverless without another driver sitting in the truck. Okay. But he's still logging. That truck is still logging safe miles, driverless miles. Okay. Just like Snyder, they have 5,000 trucks and they only have, and they have 1,500 of them sitting without a driver, but yet the FMCSA still looks at them as 5,000 drivers. And it's like, well, hell yeah, they got a good safety record because 1,500 of their trucks are just sitting without a driver in them. How can they get a bad record with no driver? 
but they still add it. It's the same thing with these trucks that are running miles. They're logging miles, whether it's being driven or not. If that's an autonomous truck, if it's labeled an autonomous truck, whether the driver's driving it or he's not driving it, they're still getting credit for safe miles. Okay, so. Will, Will so, if you could talk about the platooning as well. That platooning has been washed. I've read up on that now. Platooning, they were on that prime and then were on the platooning and they were going to come across here in our infrastructure and the, the people dodging in and out of the, in between the trucks, the insurance companies are, are shooting that down. Hey, Will, can you divine platooning, please? Platooning is, what is it, uh, two to three to four trucks. The first driver uh, is actually driving the truck, and then the trucks behind it are following the, the, the front truck. Okay, some of the tests that, uh, who was it, Wilson or whatever did, they had locomotive. They, they would have a driver still sitting in that truck, but it, he would be hands off. Their whole point of that was try to get it like a train out here on the highway was to get the driver out. And they were there. The only thing is, is the insurance companies and the politicians, those that really looked into it was like, this is dangerous because if a car comes in between or something happens, now you just don't have one driverless truck crashing. You have a bunch of them crashing. Okay. So they, they're shutting that down. That is something that I don't see happening anytime soon. Unless it's in a controlled, listen to this, this is what's happening between Indianapolis and Columbus. Unless there's barriers between the autonomous lanes and the public lanes, okay? That is something that is in the works majorly right now in the infrastructure, okay? Of separating some of this driverless, some of these driverless trucks from the public, okay? The NAFTA Superhighway Corridor has been talked about. Yes. Yes. Yep. So, but in 2023, James said it. These trucks are ready. And by 20 or 2024, by 2025, for sure, they could pull the driver out of there. You say, how can you push back? Well, you can push back because the one thing that we need to be doing, pushing back, is saying, we want a driver in that truck. And even though you're going to put a driver in that truck, at first, it'll be higher pay. It's not economical feasible for them to leave a driver in the truck with that technology. And with that technology, what you were saying earlier, there's no way in hell an independent or small fleet own owner is going to be able to get their hands on one of these autonomous trucks. And especially at the beginning, by the time it gets cheap, like a cell phone, how it got cheaper, cheaper, all how everything goes. By the time it gets cheap enough for a guy like myself, I'm an owner op, to be able to buy one of these, it's too late. You've already been pushed out of the industry. Okay, so the bullshit of talking, oh, we'll get it to where any Joe Blow can buy one of these and get out here. That's bullshit. You can see what's going on in the freight market right now. You, what's right in front of your face? People are bleeding out of this industry right now. Companies bailing out. Okay, so there's no way in hell over the next few years that they're going to they're gonna hold on to this. So... Thank you, Will. Uh, this Adrian fellow has been waiting real patiently yep. to ask a question. Uh, I'm going to add one more thing here um, to add to what Will is saying. They want to get rid of the drivers, full stop, end of the story. They don't want to pay us. Uh, don't believe any other baloney otherwise. And also, platooning is the fake and gay version of road trains, which the Australians perfected many years ago. Adrian, go for it. Yes, so thank you, everyone. So I'm in the camp that fully self-driving autonomous trucks 
are far away. So I, I think that there's a bigger risk for office, office jobs, people that are sending emails, answering calls, that's going to get automated before we have a solution that'll automate trucks, but not in a very specific region, right? Because if you have an autonomous truck that runs a very specific lane, what's the difference from that to a train, right? So in the example of San Francisco that they have these autonomous cruises and Waymos driving around, they, they have the whole city mapped out in 3D and they're, they're running the car in that 3D map. So that's not scalable to the whole world or to the whole US. There's no way you can have a real time 3D map of every road in, with construction zones and always updating everything. And so there's to this, uh, this self-driving problem, there's two things you need. You need data and you need money to train the, the data for the AI model. And you can't train data just, oh, here's a video of truck drivers driving, right? You need data where the drivers are driving properly, They're, they are staying inside the lane. You need to label all that data. You need to label cars, need to label, need to label all that billions of miles of driving data. And it might take trillions to, to even get close to a solution that, that can work in the whole United States, right? And you, it's, it's not gonna work. You can't train a truck to just run on the I-35 and expect it to work in city streets. You need, you need data of everything across the US. Um, 30, to 4, 30 to 40% of accidents are driver fatigue. That's, an ac that's four accidents every hour. And that's where like pilots, uh, with with commercial airliners, those that's that the planes fly themselves. They land themselves. They can take off themselves. There, there, there's no pilotless planes. They're they're still putting pilots on the planes. Why why haven't they removed them? Since they already have the technology in in autonomous trucking, we don't have the technology yet because the driving is a more is more complex. You can't train um, train on a video game where. There's so many edge cases, so many things that can happen in the real world. Um, Let me answer your question, Adrian, with this. If the president of Teamsters is out there in Sacramento and basically facing off with the governor, who's also a Democrat, uh, you better believe that this is real. Because I have been trying to reach out to the unions to uh, you know, organized labor and so on and so forth, and and also ATA, CTA. These folks did not want to have any discussion regarding autonomous and and the future of work for drivers. The only reason why Teamsters is doing this now is because it is very real and is at their doorstep. In 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 the in the prior years, what they've been trying to do is kick the can further down the field and practice avoidance and procrastination. Why did they not want to discuss it then? Because then why would anyone want to join a union if the union's going to be worthless and useless when it comes to providing safety and a future of work for a driver? But now they are doing it. Now they had a big action that had, you know, easily about 1,500 or so uh, uh, Teamsters and supporters at the California State Capitol 
Paul Edward, Edward, didn't they send the didn't they send Indiana Teamsters? Didn't some of the guys from Indiana come out there to that meeting too? And the reason why yeah, is because they're putting yeah. an autonomous lane. They are literally putting a driverless lane in between Indianapolis and Columbia. So you can go look it up. It's there. All the records are there. Even the state, you have the private sector and the state chip in together for these autonomous lanes. And what's happening right now is that it's called line haul, okay? And like FedEx, uh, RNL, UPS, all them guys do the night driving from FedEx or from Columbus to Indianapolis. Those jobs are under a threat right now, and they see it because they know that they're literally putting, setting up the interstate from Indianapolis to Columbus for driverless trucks to run back and forth, which will put thousands. These trucks don't have to go into the rural route areas. That's what you what you don't understand. The ripple effects by just taking eighty to one hundred and fourteen thousand dollar a year jobs from just the middle mile drivers. The ripple effect from that alone, that's what I was trying to say in those texts, was just a little bit is going to cause a major ripple effect in our economics for the middle class America. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of piggyback on that a little bit too, like um, at least from my perspective on this, like I'm not expecting autonomous trucks to be everywhere every or anywhere everywhere all at once type of thing it's going to start off with very specific lanes and it's going to i believe it's going to grow quickly from there but like for like saying it's going to be coast to coast north and south absolutely everywhere that is going to take a long time but again it doesn't take that many of these trucks to screw up very specific markets and very specific regions quickly <laughs> and so there there is very legitimate reasons for people to or for drivers to be concerned about and springboarding off of James' comment, this is Edward Escobar. Look, uh, you saw Uber being a major disruptor. Um, Uber nationally only had a market penetration of 3 to 5%. 3 to 5%. Think about that. And look what type of disruption that it caused. So it undercut. And, we're, and also, too, I mean, that's a privatization of public transportation. You know, we're and you're you're talking of the privatization of the public trust. This this goes beyond just a simple fact of drivers not being able to drive and autonomous taking over jobs. This is a privatization of the public trust. And that's that is not to be allowed when it comes to our civil liberties. Edward, what is that what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that as far as control mechanisms. I mean, they're working on like 15 minute cities. I mean, this whole concept is, is like creating collectives where you're herding cattle into tighter and tighter spaces. They have congestion uh, 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 pricing for travel. You ha they have carbon tax in, in certain places that they, if you continue, um, I had a client that was, uh, was telling me in, uh, from uh, England that if they continue to, to have a petroleum-based vehicle, every day they pay $20 as a fine, and that's to usher in electrical vehicles. So it's the same way that they're being punitive, but it's a form of like socioeconomic injustice where it's like herding cattle into tighter and tighter collectives. Um, you get what right. I'm saying? And so it, it's, it's, I mean, you got to be looking at Big Brother 
and the bigger picture of what's going on here too. It's going back not, onto not, the world stage again. It's the world stage. Just because we don't want to do it, we don't like it, and we're not up to it, doesn't mean that other countries aren't doing it. And if them other countries get to these electric vehicles and all that, and we're not there, they don't need your freaking oil no more, and they're ahead of us. So we're behind the eight ball on a lot of this stuff. And once you're on the grid, I mean, you have to look at these movies that Hollywood puts out. They're telling you things that are that are going to be happening. I mean, a lot of futurists, a lot of tech folks that I've, you know, associated with and 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 uh, and and in touch with, they're they're telling us these things that are that are happening, and it's not to be minimalized by any means because this is this is significant. And these are like being, we're being forewarned about these things that we should be driving. And that's why it's excellent that we're having this discussion and you can have the naysayers. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you, people are not going to throw multi-billions of dollars into investments if they're not looking to patent this type of technology so that they can have first in and have control mechanisms in place. Rick Warren bought bought pilot truck stops yeah exactly in atlanta why georgia right that? yeah why would he do that he's just atlanta georgia get, yeah for autonomous for driverless trucks set up the fuel island for driverless trucks right now in atlanta he bought pilot flying j do you think they're going to run out of money they're not going to they're not stopping you're not stopping this this is going yeah and that's why we need to have this discussion. But to do so in Russia, you could have a naysayer all they want, but they're not going to throw multi-billions of dollars at something and, and say, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to get a return on our investment in 10 years. They're, nobody's going to do that. They have to answer to the investors. They have to answer to the corporate shareholders. Uh, you know, it's ludicrous to even make that statement. It's just, you know, people are trying what, to think. What, 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 oh, what statement? What statement, uh, Edward? That this is this is something that's not going to happen in my lifetime. This is something that is so far down the road. You know, the naysayers, these folks that are not plugged into what's going on, they're not in the in in the hub of what's going on with the technology and the Hollywood. Look at the tech. ports. Look at the driving trucks in the ports and stuff already right now. Long Beach is Don't. autonomous. The yeah. port of Long Beach autonomous. Yes. I, I don't. And look at looking. Like, Look in China and look around the world. Look in Ireland, what they're doing in Ireland. Look in Australia, what they're doing in Australia. So, so your guys' point, your, your guys' point. So there's, I'm, I'm trying to like make sense of this and write it down so we can be, be, make some progress here. So like, it's kind of now versus down the road. And you guys are saying it's now, it's sooner than people think. That correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All yes. right. So, 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 so it's, so it's sooner than people think. Okay, so it's sooner than people think, and and therefore the the issue is what are what's gonna ha like what are we gonna do about the displaced people, right? Like, do we or or are we gonna is there something we can do to stop displacement or like what do we do about it now? Bearing in mind that it's here and it's happening sooner than people realize, what are we gonna do about that? Are we gonna try to stop it? Are we gonna try to stem the flow? Are we gonna try to uh, are we going to, or, or the opposite, or are we going to be like, okay, we're going to embrace it. And this is what it needs to look like. Like, I guess w simply like, what, wh what do you guys think about that? Like, okay, Wait, it's here. It's me, now. What do we let me hand this off 
first of all, to James and Escobar, both have a lot to say about this. But Yang and Elon Musk have already told us the direction we're going to go. It may not be totally lined out yet, but they both have told us the direction that we're going to be going. Yeah. So um, as far as regulation and like um, what people should do about this, like there's no one size fits all solution to anything like that. There's no effective ban um, that we could do on anything to be able to like, you know, fix this easily. This is a very complex, um, massive interstate, national, global level problem, right? So it's going to take a lot of experimentation, activism, uh, calls to senators and all that kind of stuff to make it abundantly clear that there is a massive labor issue um, found here. And as far as being able to stop this technology, um, you know, like prior to the first industrial revolution, stopping new technologies was the norm, not the exception. And artificial intelligence might be one of those things where, like, you know, the race for AI might not be a typical race. It might be more of a drag race with a cliff at the end of it. And if you have, you know, since we're competing against a a country like China, that's just like, you know, balls to the wall, trying to cross that finish line as fast as possible to get to artificial general intelligence, like they might run themselves off a cliff type of a deal. And this might be one of those situations where slowing things down um, with, you know, some policies like taxing robots or something like that might be um, in our best interest to give people time to adapt and change to this issue. Um, the other consideration, too, is that if you start retraining people on scale, um, this technology is growing at an exponential rate and other white collar office jobs, creative jobs and all that kind of stuff are going to be likely start to be automated sooner than trucking jobs. Right. So if you have truckers in like five, 10 years that are getting displaced and you retrain them into another profession that, you know, by the time they graduate, have the skills form that profession, they might be running into the same issue again. You know, like uh, Callum Chase in his book, The Economic Singularity, stated that uh, by 2040, our computing power is going to be 8,000 times what it is now. By 2050, it'll be a million times. So based on the pace of this technology, um, it's going to be one of those things where um, in the not too distant future, these things are going to get only more and more capable. And uh, our ability to adapt to those changes is going to diminish. And we really need to be on top of that in a, in a massive way. What's interesting about this, just as an observer, um, it's like we've got tech bros. We've got guys like Adrian and Christian who are super capable from the tech side of things saying that we're not as close as people think. And it's like not as not as we're not close, basically, to characterize what they're saying. And then we've got you guys saying the opposite. If I were to if I were to have guessed prior to this space uh, or if I were to assign positions to you guys versus them, I would have said the opposite. So I just think that that's interesting. Can I say something, though, here real quick is the the point of this is is what you're saying. And this is where we get messed up at the facts don't care about your feelings right the facts are the facts and the facts is that it's happening now it's not that it's coming it's just on a smaller level to say that it's not going to happen in our lifetime you're too late it's happening i'm telling you there's over 500 trucks hauling freight driverless right now the only thing is is there's a driver behind the wheel but they're logging many of miles without their hands on the wheel hauling freight for pay that's the fact 
Reed, when people are using words like I think, I believe, I feel, that has nothing to do with actual and factual of what's going on and, and the feedback and everything we know from real life experience and boots on the ground and people that are in the know that we engage with. So, you know, yes, I get it. It's scary. And that's where one gentleman says about fear. He used that word. I don't have fear. I'm focused because I'm being proactive. And that's what we're encouraging in your listeners is to be proactive, to do the research. We're not saying take our word for it. Do your own homework because that, you know, it's an epiphany to have the self-realization of, of facts on your own. Do not rely on us. But, you know, the fact is also do not be lulled into this, 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 this sleep, you know, wake up because it's scary. Yes, it is. It's cognitive dissonance. Rethink your whole existence and where the future might take you. And, and there's people that want to stay in the state of ignorant denial, but you have those folks and this is not for everyone, Reed. What we do is not for everyone. That's why we're on the cutting edge. That's why we are the tip of the spear. But it's the tip. We need the whole shaft of the spear and everything else. And that's where we, we look to supporters and, and listeners like that you have that start to do the research, that start to ask the questions. You know, what is our founding fathers? What did they base everything on? Question authority, question authority, question authority. That's so what we're doing. That's, that's, I mean, I don't think anyone here's head is in the sand. Anyone in the audience, if you're here listening, I mean, your head is very much not in the sand. So I, uh, that's, I, I think I agree that there's value in this and these conversations, but I, I, I'm really just wanting to pull out like, and go and Gord, feel free to feel, this is your space. So fucking tell me to shut up if you want, but, uh, I'm like trying to understand like what is to be done. Okay. It's, it's here. You guys are saying it's here. It's in front of us. It's faster than you think. All these jobs are on the chopping block, potentially. Like, if this is not mitigated, like, if nothing is done, quote-unquote, uh, these jobs are on the chopping block. What are, what are people supposed to do? What are, like, what is an actionable step beyond just, like, educating yourself and all that stuff? Like, what are you telling drivers to do? Like, these jobs, like, somebody whose job is on the chopping block, like, what are they supposed to do? That's a really good question, Reed. I've been thinking about that a little bit myself now. Um, you know, there was this uh, brouhaha on Twitter here a little while ago between Craig Fuller and the ATA about the driver shortage narrative. And then, you know, I saw a question somebody else asked about, you know, uh, what do you tell a young person trying to get into the trucking business right now? I sort of thought to myself, well, if what guys like Will and James and Edward are saying is true, if this technology is a whole lot closer than we think, then, you know, the it sort of behooves warning people getting into the transportation business, wanting to become drivers in any capacity, that, like, you're about to invest a bunch of time and effort into a job that may not be here in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And you could be doing something else. And, you know, 
probably out of my own spite for how I've witnessed how truckers have been treated by, you know, the sort of bad actors in the industry. I kind of feel like I want to tell young guys, just don't bother. Just don't. Just don't do it. Because there's so many other things you could be doing with your life. And if everything what's being said is true, like if I was going to sign up to become a truck driver at, you know, a new one, I would be like, okay, cool. So where's my buyout package for when you replace me with a robot? Where's my retraining package? What are you going to do? Because you want me to come to work for you for a short period of time until you replace me with autonomous technology. What's, what, what, what's the next step after that? And I think that's a question trucking companies actually, specifically members of the ATA who continue with the churn and uh, making their attention problem what it is. I think they have to answer for that. Like if they're going to run around telling everybody, oh, there's a shortage, we got to have all these drivers. Okay, cool. So when that switch gets flipped and then all of a sudden we don't need drivers anymore, what do we do with all the drivers? Well, it behooves the people in charge to have a game plan. And if they don't, what they're doing is they're selling people a kind of on a lie and kind of on a, well, we're just going to use you and abuse you until we don't need you anymore. Like, do you get what I'm saying? So what are you, what are you telling? So somebody comes to you or, well, if you have something to say or somebody's talking, yep. go ahead, go yep. ahead. Yep. Yeah, go. I may answer the question you're getting ready to. So you have to look at the, the big picture, go to 30,000 feet again. There will still be trucking. And here's one of the things that I do know by working with one of the schools, right? The trucking schools is they're already setting up in tech schools, Ivy Tech. So the, the future of trucking in the near future let's say the next decade where you're going to see a transfer, you're going to see long haul and line haul. Know the lingo on those. Line haul and long haul will be displaced, but local pickup and delivery and specialized. There's a lot of local and there's a lot of specialized carriers. I put into an AI computer chat, I put in about autonomous, and it said that there will, when it comes to hazmat, any kind of hazmat load, or like money, military, high dollar loadering thing, there will always be somebody in a truck, even if it's an autonomous truck, there will still be a human in there. The thing is, is the pay will go down because you won't have to drive that truck, right? So, but anyways, so there will still be trucking jobs. There will still be a demand for truckers. But what's going to happen is this, there's always casualties in war, right? The, when we're transitioning, there's going to be some people that don't make it like myself. I'm 57 years old on my truck, blah, blah, blah. You know, am I going to retrain and get out of this and go into a total different field? Or am I going to go local? Well, they, they're, they're selling you the idea that local jobs and all them are better jobs anyways when that's BS because line hauling over the road pays way better than local jobs. All right. But so, again, don't think that every truck out here is going to be driverless biggest general freight of refrigerated and they're already working on flatbed with the sensors and you can look that up all you gotta do is google it or youtube it they're already working on sensors for flatbeds and stuff for tie downs to have a sensor on that to see if it gets loose or blah 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 it's pretty cool what the technology is cool it's advanced a lot more advanced than what we think but so don't think that there's not going to be jobs Yang came out, and I want to brush this, and James and Edward can talk about this. Yang came out when they ran for the last presidential election 
and said he let the cat out of the bag when he was talking about giving these over-the-road drivers all these drivers literally specifically to over-the-road drivers and so forth uh, an extra what was it thousand dollars a month to replace them so they've been talking about this everybody knows this is coming except for the public because if they come out and say hey you ain't going to have a job in two or three years. Nobody's going to be there. Then they will have a driver shortage. They truly will have a driver shortage. They can't get out here and start talking this stuff right now because they truly do need the drivers that they have. Okay. And if these drivers start getting scared and start jumping out of this now, there is going to be a driver shortage. And that's why I keep saying you got to go to 30,000 feet. You got to think about this from the perspective of on a lot bigger scale because there's a lot more to this than just ah driverless trucks on takeover blah 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 no there's a lot of jobs a lot of mid a lot of middle class american jobs on the line and they're slowly already taking them out so yeah uh, reed i got something for you as far as the actionable steps go um so long story short um ai is starting to enter the political um sphere a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a big congressional hearing back in June where they were talking about all the ups and downs and uh, big tech came in there and was like, please regulate us. Right. <clears throat> and seeing that uh, um, congressional hearing was about the most hopeful thing I could like I've seen in years in politics where like, you know, Republicans and Democrats alike were saying, Hey, yeah, we really need to regulate this and get it right, because if we screw it up like we screwed up the Internet, we're all in this shitload of trouble. Um, so as far as that goes, I think the best thing that drivers can do is uh, start attacking some of the skepticism within this, because it is a lot closer than I believe it's a lot closer than a lot of people think. And the more uh, the quicker that this becomes a political issue in a bipartisan way where it's not attacking red versus blue. And you know, ultimately, this is an issue for everyone. Uh, the sooner that this um, starts gaining more political traction within the trucking community, the better off we're going to, like, drivers are going to be. Hey, hey, James, can you, before you can continue, just to pick a point, can you, like, attach some, like, there's no gun to your head, obviously, but, like, can you can you give us, like, a sense of what you mean by it's sooner than we think? Like, what's, like, a, a, like a rough timeline? Like, what does that actually mean? Well, like, like I've said before, um, with a... a Aurora Trucking, they're going to be the first ones that launch uh, commercially next year with picking a driver out of the vehicle. As uh, um, as far as the other industry estimates from uh, like the University of Michigan stated, within the foreseeable future, they expect to see 500,000 drivers uh, being displaced within the next like 10, 15 years, roughly. They didn't put a specific date on it because there's too many variables, but the University of uh, Berkeley Labor Center uh, say that there could be as many as 2.1 million, I believe, um, by in the next 20 years, if I remember right. Um, so like, like there's a lot of people in academia that have been ringing the bell on this for a long time. And, uh, yeah, like the sooner that drivers really start realizing that this is going to happen and they're going to start seeing it next year, um, like the better off they're going to be for finding better solutions. And as far as what those solutions are, um, that's not for me to, for me to decide that's up for a democratic debate on how we're going to handle this issue. Um, but you know, if we fail at that, there's other research out of, uh, University of Oxford by a Carl Benedict Fry that this is going to completely poison the well in our politics and take us down a road that we don't want to go down. So, okay, so I mean, I, I guess part of this is like, you know, if you're looking at it from like a societal level, it's like, okay, yeah, these people are not going to have jobs. 
you know, this is assuming the timeline happens like you just explained. There's going to be, you know, X percent, there's going to be like X million people who are no longer, you know, employ, uh, employable as truck drivers. Like we need, we quote unquote, capital W, we as a society need to figure out what we're going to do with them, quote unquote. But like, I, I'm much more, I guess, selfishly interested in hearing what you guys have to say to the person who's not, who doesn't need to be, you know, who, who's, whose fate and life isn't kind of decided by others and is like, okay, I'm going to take the bull by the horns. I'm like, am capable. I can go do something else. I can go learn how to do something else. Like, what am I going to do? Like, it, it, and I have full agency. Like, what do I do? You know what I mean? Like, how do I take advantage of this? The future for the workers would be in cooperatives. Because if they own the means of production, then they could determine the outcome as far as their usefulness. What, what does that look like in this in this domain? Like, what is that? What does that look like? Well, as I mentioned earlier about ownership of the actual technology of pulling resources and and operating and benefiting from the revenue stream that would be generated by that autonomous vehicle. So they, they that, could is also anybody working on this? Is anyone trying to do this? Uh, I mean, actually, we are, um, when I say we, I've been... Uh, collaborating with a, a a international cooperative out of toronto and so from a, a passenger and delivery uh um, perspective or sector um we are actually uh trying to foment some uh areas of of uh, a type of how this would look like moving forward so we are we are being proactive about it to answer your question you know we don't Obviously, we don't have all the answers, you know, we don't have all the answers to these questions, but we, we, but we must start asking the questions. But what we have to stop doing is questioning if this is going to happen and start questioning what are we going to do when it does happen. So as far as like the actionability for like somebody being able to take this by the horns and uh, benefit from it. Um, so... I would highly recommend looking up uh, Aurora Trucking's 2021 investor report. And there they explicitly list 1.2 million owner operators and speak about them basically as a market to be cover, uh, conquered, right? So like there's uh, another um, interesting analogy that they made where like autonomous trucking is very similar to the digital digitalization of advertising. And that company is like basically expecting that uh, whoever the first one is to get this right is going to be able to dominate this industry. And basically this technology is going to be monopolized from day one, right? So like, unless there's like, you know, a company like say plus AI, keep going back to them, but uh, they've got a relatively lower startup cost in terms of uh, the actual hardware and subscriptions, right? But just because the technology is cheap doesn't mean that uh, uh, independent drivers are going to be able to benefit from it, right? So like a lot of this comes down to scalability. If you have uh, a conventional trucking company of a thousand trucks and a fully autonomous trucking company of a thousand trucks, the autonomous trucking company is going to be able to uh, reduce their cost by up to 45% compared to the conventional company. And they'll be able to basically operate the same as 2,000 to 2,500 trucks, right? And to be able to get that cost benefit, um, it has to be scalable. So if you're running like, you know, a couple trucks, you're not going to be able to hit that same uh, cost reduction that the bigger companies are. So like this is basically like the equivalent of um, 
uh, what do you call them, uh, artisans during the Industrial Revolution that were competing against power mints, right? Like you can get framing uh, framing weave for weave frames or whatever they called them back then for somebody in the textile industry. But if you're competing up against a power loom, like you don't have a big shot at being able to take advantage of this technology unless you have a shitload of money value. There was a thing on transport topics where YRC and FedEx and some of the top CEOs got together and transport topics interviewed them. And they straight said that within a decade, within 10 years, they plan on it. It's going to be just like the train and, and airline industry. There's going to be a, a handful of companies that are that are running the trucking side of it over the road and so forth. And they're already jockeying and set, setting themselves up to do it. I mean, FedEx is one of them. Um, so, and that's called consolidation. Consolidation is what you're looking at. And you have money like Jeff Bezos. I mean, a lot of people are not looking at what he's able to do as far as Amazon and trucking, you know, autonomous. I mean, he's a major player, major, major key stakeholder here. And he and he's connected big time on the governmental side. So, you know, the 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 the, the fear that we should have is to put the fox in charge of the hen house and let them self-regulate because we already know how that's going to turn out. Oh, I've been I've been muted. Adrian, go. You've been trying to talk. Yeah, to the thing about the investor report for Aurora, they need money. So they, of course, they're going to want to say it's closer than, than we, like, cause they need money to build the technology. So if if they had the technology, they wouldn't be asking for money because they would, they would just do it, right? And then they would be profitable from day one. They wouldn't be this unprofitable carrier that they're just training this AI model and very slowly. So they always ask for money. I mean, that's just what they do. I, I don't I don't know if you've looked at other tech titans, but you know, look at Uber. They kept they've always kept asking for money and they claim not Oprah. to be profitable, even though they were. Oprah Oprah and them just asked for money over in Hawaii too, and look at all the money they got. Well uh, no, it is a it is a super fair point that the investor reports are asking for money because like ultimately it's a big sales pitch to investors, so that's a super valid point. Um but like I, I would point back to the uh, recent shareholder letter where they're able to send half the trucks down with like completely fully autonomous, like no driver intervention required sort of a thing. And then, you know, they're the other 25 percent is at 99 percent. So they are getting very close with this and they are going to continually ask for money because like more our research and um, development gets to that like 99.999 whatever percent um, uh, autonomy rate type of thing. So that that is valid but uh you know they're they're still expecting it launching next year so like it's like that company is pretty close are we are we worried that they're gonna run the specific lane from arizona to texas like is is that the like uh it's not going to be like their their first lane is going to be an I-45 between Dallas and Houston. Um, anytime you start going in between states, it creates more political issues. Like with uh, AB 316, right? That was only in California. But like if New Mexico tried to do that, um, I don't. Yeah, like that just creates a whole other issue of political or uh, uh, political obstacles for these things. So like at least early on, they're going to go for more likely to go for uh, specific lanes in specific states with friendly regulations this interstate kind of stuff yeah like are we worried about them running that specific lane like i mean we have trains right and they're hauling 
if, if, we, if we got rid of trains, there would be so much freight to move, but it's, we still have trains. Why aren't we against trains? They're uh, actually so like, looking at rolling out autonomous uh, trains where they platoon and then train. they and then they break off. Yeah, so like there's a uh, so like there's a um, like trains are just a different market. Trains are mainly for like bulk freight type of thing. Um, you know, like I'm sure Will and anybody else here could like speak towards the merits versus trucks better than I can, basically. But as far as like the routes, um, I-20 between Dallas and El Paso, Texas, is heavily being tested by Aurora and a couple other uh, companies right now. Right. Um, as far as like trains go, like the biggest concern is that uh, um, over time, autonomous trucks are going to take more freight uh from rail and if you're like if you take into account the amount of fuel consumption from trucks versus rail you're going to burn about four times the amount of fossil fuels as you would from the train right so like there is going to be interplay between the rail industry and the trucking industry as a result of autonomous trucks um but like you know we're, we're not going to completely kill off the rail industry because there's autonomous trucks and vice versa like they're both going to coexist and they both serve different needs why can't direct la autonomous lanes from Dallas to wherever, like, why can that coexist with regular truckers moving freight all over the U.S.? Well, they're working on the uh, NAFTA, the superhighway corridor, which would act uh, actually affect what, what you're saying and to make that a reality. I have a question. If I may. Go down. Um, Hey guys, thank you so much. This has been really, really cool actually to listen in on. But the question I have is, let's say Chevy Cruise has been around for so long that they've got a lot of ex actual real-world application experience and, and data, and it's still not perfect. And I'm going to speak anecdotally, but let's say it's 95% perfect and it's 5% faulty. If I'm a broker or a shipper and I need to get something from New York to California and there's a 5% failure rate that it won't get there for whatever reason because the automated truck doesn't function properly, I'm probably, as a broker, going to say, or, a, or as a shipper, tell my brokers, hey, I do not want an automated load. I want to make sure it gets there. Can you make sure that this is a personnel-operated vehicle? And the question I have is, how much cheaper does the freight need to be for me as a shipper to roll the dice and say, I'm okay with this having a 95% chance of getting there. Can I answer this? All right. So first of all, I, I want to back up and then I'll get closer to what you're saying. Let's look at electric logging devices. Electric logging devices were passed on the fact that they were going to save 26 lives a year. Look it up. 26 lives a year. Okay. So driverless trucks, so what happened was they stepped those in, and this is what's going to happen with autonomous. They came in. It was a choice. Warner had to take electronic logs because their safety rating was so bad, right? So they had to use it or else the FMCSA or whoever was going to put them out of business, right? You have to fold up, go away because your safety rating was crap, or else you have to use this ELD. They learn a lot with the ELDs, and that's what they're going to do with these autonomous trucks, okay? As much stuff as they're throwing at the wall, it's not going to be but a couple years that no matter what, you're going to have a level of autonomous in a truck, every okay, truck Edward. out on the road. 
I hear you. My my the counterfactual to me is that ELDs, whether we like them or not, don't don't stop you from being able to operate the vehicle. You may not. You can argue it's not as safe. You can argue it's harder to park. You can argue it stretches your hours out or it makes the truck less safe. The difference is you can still operate, but we don't have a choice. Whereas when it comes time to move freight, if they if somehow it became federally mandated to use automated vehicles and it has a 5% faulty rate, the supply chain would crumble. So we yeah. would revert to going back to driving manually in a crisis mode. There's no such thing as a crisis mode with an ELD. Yeah, so I, I've, got, I've got something for this if I can jump in here. Um, so long for like uh, 95% would obviously be way too low, like at 95% autonomy or 95% effectiveness, it would be basically non-existent, non-effective, right? Just like you said. Um, so like basically the standard that um, autonomous trucking companies are going for are like 99 point something, 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 uh, completely driverless, completely effective, right? Because like even at 99%, if you're doing a thousand mile route between uh, Dallas and Houston, that's still going to be like roughly 10 miles where you need driver intervention, right? So like, yeah, you raised a very, very valid point. Um, that being said, like no technology that's ever been made is perfect and the standard still isn't perfection. Um, so like basically the benchmark that they have to get to is that it's going to be safer than the average human driver. And at that point, they can legitimately sell it, which we're probably only a couple of years away from that. And as far as like the cost, um, uh, the cost for shippers, um, from my understanding of it, the uh, average profit margin within the trucking industry is roughly about 5%. And uh, fully or a fully autonomous trucking company, like say Loadsmith in a couple of years, if they get their order, um, the industry average roughly is what they're saying is that uh, they'll be able to cut operating costs compared to a conventional company by up to 45%. Now, granted, they're going to have other costs like data management, uh, pre-trip inspections, refueling, and all that kind of stuff, but they're going to be able to cut operating costs quite a bit on top of all that. So, like, I think with like a five percent uh, reduction in freight, that's going like you know, if you're talking about the scale of you know hundreds, if not thousands, of trucks per day, kind of a thing from these bigger brokers, um, it's not going to take much of a cost reduction to be able to get them to bite off on this if they're sure enough that the load's going to get there on time within a you know on par with a human driver. I think that's where the insurance, in, in that anyway. insurance actuaries come in and, and start to, to take up that gap in terms of the liability exposure until the technology gets further perfected. And the other thing is, in, in the reality of transportation in trucking, there's always breakdowns. There's always some kind of something that happens. And I don't care if it's FedEx, UPS, or who it is, where there's late loads, breakdowns, they do. They send somebody else out there to relay a load on the on a drop, you know. So those things, it, it happens all the time in transportation. Yeah, the, the standard is basically good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good enough. Yeah, and I think also, too, I, what uh, Will had uh was was also uh, referring to was the as far as for certain loads and uh, like a concierge type service or even uh, protecting the load uh, because of the high value uh, from the hijacking because as you know 
what's going on uh, throughout our country, um, you know, the, the criminals are getting more and more brazen. And for them to know that it is fully autonomous, then, of course, they would take advantage of that. If you look at in L.A., where they've rolled out approximately, I think, 2,000 of these delivery drones, um, the merchandise, like the, the food items, are being stolen. You know, the vehicles are being tipped over. Um, the vehicles are being ridden like ponies. It's, it's ridiculous. But look at TikTok and Instagram. I mean, they're covering it in Los Angeles. So, um, so there's always going to be, you know, that there's going to be some need for some kind of, you know, it's not, not necessarily as a driver in that capacity, but, uh, basically as a caretaker. All right. I'd like to bring a guest who popped up in the audience here that I think has some important things to say, has been making some pretty cogent statements in the chat that are not necessarily related to, you know, the functionality or desirability of this technology or, you know, economic considerations, but uh, a little bit more deeper and spiritual, as it were. Um, he is a seminary student. Um, Brandon, can you, uh, do you care to share anything with us? I'm not totally sure what I could say other than um, I think what we miss a lot is like, so this book called Tools for Conviviality, like conviviality. So like friendliness among people and agency and all these other things. I mean, you go autonomous driving, um, you know, like what? Two corporations are going to own all access to to that. I mean, it's not a convivial tool. It's not a tool that increases your agency or your own skill or it actually ties your hands to another like giant corporation we see this already i mean trucks are being locked to dealerships right it's very hard for small shops to work on them because they don't have access to the tools the tools aren't convivial um so like in my neck of the woods uh you know the local freightliner labor rates 210 dollars an hour and they do like utter shit work um but a lot of times it's very hard to do certain things outside of the dealerships. You don't have access to those tools. So I don't see how we go in a future where we get more and more aspects of our hands tied to like some kind of large conglomerate of corporations that ends up being better for really anyone at the end of the day, regardless of whether you think the technology is there or not. We all freeze up. No, I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I mean I, I, so let me let me let me say this on that conviviality point um it's it's and this let me just give me a second here so like i i have been you know historically personally kind of kind of a lot I've, I've gone through phases where i've been like a luddite and i've been like i'm not gonna use social media i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like I, and I get as crazy about it as like I in, in, in school, I was like, okay, I'm going to take notes on pen and paper. Oh, no, I'm going to take notes on my computer or no, I'm going to use the iPad. And I literally would like rack my brain about like, oh, I should be doing it on the paper because like the, the computer is not whatever. And, and that's just like I, I, I rack my brain about that and, and, and just technology in general. And I think now it's like, yeah, does it remove agency? maybe but like i i just I, I ultimately i feel like there's it's so much of it is how you frame it as as a person i'm not even talking about the societal level like i'm talking about how you, 
you personally as a person view these things like how you view it personally means a lot and if you're resigned to it and you just like throw your hands up and you're like wow fuck it i mean like i i have no agency anymore then yeah like you're a part of this like statistic of people that are no gonna have no options but like if you're if you ask yourself like how do i use this what's this going to mean in the future like let me put some stakes in the ground and try to actually like test theories about how how what it's going to be and let me try to hedge my bets on where i think things are going and i'm going to put myself in a position to benefit from it like then you go and use technology it's like how do you how do you flip the script and make it a benefit like because to me it's like if i'm a driver and i'm sitting here and all, all these people are saying my you know my the world's ending i'm not gonna be able to drive anymore like i'm screwed like the the better question is like okay given that if i think that's true and i think that in 10 years my job is screwed what am i doing right now to prepare myself to benefit from it how do i flip the script because that's like a much more powerful position to be in right like that's just that's just the proper frame for an individual right like that's what america america without drivers that's why i created america without drivers was it wasn't to stop the technology if you go there and you listen to the introductory and if you listen to tucker carlson and ben shabero's debate you will see what i did because it's exactly what you're saying right there it's like let's get out here warn people let them prepare for what's coming and then also if we get ahead of this we can help regulate it you're not going to stop it but maybe we can help mold this and regulate it and and be a part of the change and know which way to go if you're sitting here with your blinders on and your head in the sand and saying oh it'll never happen then you're going to get ran over you're going to be left behind there's a lot going on in the world today than what it was 10 years ago. It was going on 10 years ago, but we're just now starting to open our eyes. The biggest thing that if I could leave anything from this conversation for you guys to think about is to quit focusing on just the United States. The United States is just a small piece of the puzzle, okay? This is going on all around the world and you're not hearing the news and you're not hearing the advancements and the progress that they're making in other countries go to these other countries look what's going on in other countries and then you, and james hits on this and you have to really listen to what james saying about pi or whatever those guys are i'm telling you it's coming there's a shift coming in this technology and you're going to be left behind and you can't just look at autonomous you got to look at digital currency you got to look at what's going on in the world economically in the shift that's happening right now. To Will's point, to Will's point, you know, you have to look at, you have to look at uh, the Biden administration and how they handle big tech with kid gloves. Why, why do they do that? Why do they uh, basically bring in? Well, what, do, what, do you, what do you mean by that though? Like what, like what, what should they be doing? They should be trying to, you know, if you'd allow stick me their hand and, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so I, I, yeah. I'm just curious, like, what should they be doing? Well, what they, what they shouldn't be doing is bringing in and, you know, all big tech and, and making them like the authority and not having any other key stakeholders to, to be a part of the discussion, to have a seat at the table. Cause that's basically putting the fox in charge of the hen house 
And that's why, you know, the Biden administration has just been handling big tech with kid gloves. And, and why? Because they want to have big tech, you know, in a favorable status. Uh, Wait a in terms of it's not just the Biden, though. Excuse me. I got to jump in here. It wasn't just no, Biden. Saying, we, I was at no, the White I'm House saying. when Trump was in office and Trump let it go, too. So that's yeah, why this I'm is saying. a nonpartisan. This is this is Democrats and Republicans right. are both pushing tech. Right. Exactly. Thanks for clarifying that, because I don't want it to appear that I'm not saying that. I'm just saying right now, presently, Biden is in the administration and, and it's in it's his charge. So, you know, he wants to keep is basically tech that can be an enemy. He wants to keep his enemies uh, closer because China, to him, he feels it's a bigger threat, you know, abroad, China and Russia. China will ride over, you know, their their people with a tank, like Tiananmen Square, no problem. They don't have an issue. It's not a permission-based society. They don't ask, is this, is okay? Is this okay? They just do it. And they roll it out onto the onto society there, and and they have to deal with it, you know. So, what, you know, go ahead and ask your question again, Reed. I guess I'm just like, I, I, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. Scott Scott hasn't said anything in a while. Maybe he has something to say before I fumble over my words here. Scott, do you have anything to say? I'm kind of typing in response to some of this, but yeah, um, yeah. The other thing I've kind of I've zoned in on is, you know, the whole national security aspect of this. I keep having to remind people there is no such thing as an unhackable computer. The DOD is getting hacked. Intel's getting hacked. The federal government can't even stop this crap. Now, if we get in some kind of, you know, kinetic affairs, say Taiwan invades China, whatever. You know, if you got a whole bunch of AV commercial truck fleets on the road, what do you think is going to be one of the first targets for the hostile foreign hackers? Cyber terrorism. We took this up to the Indianapolis Capitol, and I talked to a senator about that and sat down and spoke with him. And he is on the homeland security, the labor side and transportation, and sat right there and said, we have human trafficking, we have this, we have that, and went down through a laundry list. And autonomous and that and our autonomous vehicles being hacked was at the bottom of the list. I mean, these guys don't even know. I've been up at the Capitol a handful of times talking to senators and legislators, their assistants know about this, but they don't have a clue what's happened. Right. And, and some valid points there, the cyber terrorism and cyber hacking. So they can, they can hijack the load. Um, I mean, they could play with the data. Uh, they can steal the data and, and basically hold uh, whatever company hostage. They could find a back door. Edward, I think that's what I'm, I wonder, just because I don't know, you may know a little bit more about this, but who's to say that what happened in San Francisco with those crews, with all them shutting down like they did, have they proven it wasn't, it wasn't a hack? No, let's they talk about admit that. To it. What, what happened at Outside Lands, the f music festival that they had at Golden Gate Park, um, the cell towers were overloaded with the uh the demand for all those folks on their cell phones and so there was like 10 vehicles that shut down you know simultaneously so what's their solution they want the taxpayers basically to pay to to add additional infrastructure so that the 
the autonomous vehicles will have their own cell towers for their own uh, specific signals. They'll have their own bandwidth. Exactly. Right. So let's take it further, though. What if there's an earthquake? What if there's a solar flare? There goes everything, the grid, everything. These that's done. If the vehicle shut down. I mean, it's, it's, this is what? just this. This happens regardless of if there's autonomous trucks or not, yeah. though. I mean, all the trucks exactly. are computer. Yeah, like you can you can hack the diesel getting to the to the travel centers, and you don't you can't fill up the truck, and you shut down the whole supply chain. Like right, that's that's not like and and this assuming that the trucks are driverless everywhere, and you can say, oh, go to this point and into this like that's assuming that we have that they're able to do that right and i don't think it's it's like oh either trucks like drivers driverless trucks um like it's a no or and then driverless trucks like we need to replace truckers like i don't think it's that or the other it's how do we complement the technology to help the trucker do their job better safer like um you like you, you use mirrors right and you you're not gonna cut off your mirrors because the mirror is a tool it's a piece of technology that you use to be able to make sure you don't have a a car next to a you. mirror can't be sentient ai is who's saying that ai is sentient mm, you know uh right now they're already discussing how the feelings uh that it's not if fair it's how, sentient, we're what, how does that make a difference how, if how, it is sentient or not? We're, we're, we're they're already debating that the technology when it comes to autonomous vehicles, has feelings that we're not treating them fairly, Wait, which goes into a whole other safety. ethical. Let's let's go back to his question about how can we make it safety? How can we use this technology to make the trucker's job safer? Okay, first of all, they could have done this a long time ago, and this is a pet peeve of mine of being out here for thirty-four years, having a master driving award from the ATA. That's why they don't want to hear from me, is because they told me I was the best of the best better than I less than two percent in the nation get that award but yet I'm sitting here saying if if I'm that good why do I have to have all this safety equipment on here four thousand over four hundred or four million safe miles so back to your question why are they investing into these sensors the trucks have that will beep and bus if you go over the lane and it'll detect like let's let's do this here's yep here that's fine but here let me do this I don't know what your job is let me come to your job for a month. Let me put an eyeball on you. And then I'm going to put 200 other people because they're going to be out of a job to get your job, to compete with you with your job, which is going to bring your wage down. And then on top of it, I want to put a camera on you 24-7, even when you go to take your break. I'm going to tell you when you're going to take your break. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do on your break. And let's see. Then you're going to say, you know, a lot of people drive a truck for freedom. A lot of them come out because of the the China deal when Clinton was in office, shipped all of our jobs overseas. So a lot of them guys out of the factories got pushed into trucking. They didn't even want a truck, okay? But, not, but they I mean, got pushed I'm, out here. It seems okay, to be so like, wait a minute. I, I just want to say, it seems that like you're like very, like it seems you have a lot more driving experience than a lot of these drivers out there. Like today I helped a trucker back up a, a trailer that took took them super long to back up and they didn't, like I'm concerned about them not, like getting like how are they going to get to their next destination like i'm i'm like i'm thinking like how did they get their cdl like how are they driving the road like I'm, I'm not talking about the super truckers that drive manual and and that are super well at 
Like I'm not. I'm talking about all these. You're talking, you're talking about the guys with the house slippers and the sweatpants on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the how, how are they on the road? Like they should. There's Christian. Go ahead. Go. Ahead. No. Because no, the industry ahead. lowered training standards. It's that simple. So the we, government we, throws money at the people who want training standards lowered. Oh fucking right. <laughs> This is my wheelhouse, man. These Why fucking cocksuckers. They're anti-human. They don't care about anything. All they care about is making money. And they throw these poor bastards off the deep end with no water wings. They're, half the truck drivers on the road shouldn't fucking be there. End of story. You need to make people better and work on making the systems in this industry better to make people want to stay because they keep churning through them. They can't keep the good guys around. And so what do they do? They keep throwing more tech at it. They're missing the forest for the trees because they don't want to do anything fucking human. And that's what the I truck should do. Like, that's what the truck, the truck should be able to train you to drive better, to be more like it, it, right now. Trucks are like, because, okay, you're saying that, okay, just put trainers and we're going to train this half, like half of the fleet of drivers so that they can drive better. That's just not going to happen, right? You're going to double the price of, of everything. You're, there's going to be less drivers. There's going to be more churn. How can we make the trucks help these drivers drive better? And safer. Because whether we like it or not, there's new people coming in that don't have experience. Half, um, the, half, half of the public can't even drive their fucking car. Okay, right. you can't even drive your fucking car. So take your keys away from you and figure out ways for your car to drive you to and from work because that's where we're going anyway. That's not going to prevent people from wanting to drive. That's, that's the big risk. It's not the, the good... The, and plus year drivers that can drive without like with their eyes closed that's that's not yeah we're, we're talking about two different things i mean like gord and will and these guys who are like all about like uh personal responsibility and taking ownership of and being good at your craft and having autonomy and not needing sensors and not needing technology because they're capable and they've been trained and they're and they and they by legitimate operators by people who who are and, and but also this ties into the shit we were talking about earlier about meaningful work and all this stuff. I mean, I, I totally I see both sides of this. I, I really really do. Like, I totally sympathize with Gord's point and the whole why we drive thing. Like, I, I get that. That makes a lot of sense. There's like a human. There's there's something very human and satisfying about taking ownership of a craft. And letting and being responsible and, and and having skin in the game and all this stuff. And their point is the sensors and all the technology and all this stuff just totally throw a wrench in the system that drives meaning in people's lives, right? Like we're not talking about fucking statistics. We're not talking about like all this, you know, stuff. We're talking about like just what makes this what makes life like worth living, right? That's one side of the coin. Then the other side of the coin is the fact, Adrian, like you're saying, yes. The business, what, what? The, business, the business point of it. I mean, I get up in the morning. I make a, you know, a little over $3,000 a month truck payment on this. I get up. I looked on the Lord load board uh, today. I what load I wanted. I picked the rate. I negotiated the rate. 
I'm running this business. I'm not only running a business, I'm running a, a piece of equipment, a two-year-old $170,000. You, you are in control of your destiny. You are the master yeah. to, to the extent, to the fullest extent possible. You are the master of your universe. And that is yes. an empowering position want, to be in. Yep, and they want to push me into yeah, yeah. being yeah. a comp company driver not even being able to drive my truck or make decisions, just do what I tell you to do and actually just sit there and monitor the, the board. You don't have up? to do it. You don't have to get, like, you can still drive, right? We, we're in a free country and, and it's your, like you can adopt the technology and, or, or not, and, and you don't have to adopt the technology. Maybe the technology is more for these other drivers that, Adrian, that's the same. Let me tell you, I've been organizing Uber Lyft drivers and and, and, and the, the gig workers and everything. That's the same bullshit uh, comment and statement that people have said from the beginning. If you don't like it, why don't you do something else? No, no, I'm not well, saying do something else. I'm saying you can keep driving your manual truck and you can keep like, I'm not, we're not saying we need to automate all trucks. That's just not, we the technology exists, but we don't have the data and we don't have the training to train the data of trillions of miles. And the other petroleum-based trucks are going to be driven out by the EV requirements. So it's one way or the other. The premiums for insurance are going through the roof. They're making it financially impossible for independent truckers to continue to operate a lucrative business. So they're, they're being blindsided from all different angles and they're making it physically impossible, literally impossible for them to continue to operate. All right. Hey guys, I just wanted to cut in here. Um, we're basically like two and a half hours in a few people have indicated they're kind of tapping out. I'm getting super crusty. And yeah, I think sometimes we got to get a handle on land, you know, land the plane, Gord. Land the plane. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but don't put it on autopilot. Full, full. You need to empower. Take control. Land the plane. Yeah, I'm gonna put her down in the Hudson. We seem to have run into some shit birds <laughs> gumming up the engine. <laughs> all right, um, parachute. Uh, Give me a parachute. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have um, my honored guests here uh, say some final words. I'm gonna like uh, sorry about your questions, guys. Maybe we'll do this again sometimes. Uh, thanks for coming out. So uh, Scott, Will, Edward, James, uh, wrap her up, and we'll have a good night. Hey, uh, this has been fun as hell, man. This has been a great show. Really, I mean, just watching the comments is it's it's worth the price of admission. Great. What price? <laughs> Sanity, possibly? Oh, yeah, sorry, go on. Hey, time is money. Time is money. Come on now. There's one Listen. thought I'd like to leave uh, here, and that's uh, I, I completely respect the arguments you know, for against this technology. Uh, I understand like the independence part of, of the job. I myself got a CDL to understand. I was working on AV technology, and I got my CDL to understand what does it mean to be from the driver's perspective. And whether we like it or not, there's 12, roughly about 12 people every day that die from truck-related accidents. And that doesn't necessarily mean that those people were trained incorrectly um, or that, you know, they, they, it, they just simply might have been fatigued. They might have uh, just been distracted for whatever it might be. And so whether or not we 
like it. Um, those accidents happen. They cost a lot of money, close to $10 million a piece. Um, the existing technology that is on these trucks right now, I l literally don't understand why it's there because almost every driver that I have encountered personally has always disconnected this, like these collision avoidance systems and, and stuff like that. And I think ultimately it boils down to a product decision. Do you, does the product need to record the driver at all time? Or can it be kind of like a system that works in the background um, that is there to help you avoid collisions, side swipes, um, things like that? It's just a matter of how that product actually gets built, in my opinion. Um, Land the plane. These guys are trying to go. We'll do this again. We'll do this again. We'll put, put a bookmark in that, Christian. Seriously, um, write it down. All right. Sounds good. Scott, Scott, go ahead. Go. Yeah, I did it first already, man. Let, yeah, me, let me go. Hey, just I only thing, and, and we built this. We don't make any money off of America Without Drivers or anything like that. We put money into it. And I really would ask you guys, because I'm passionate about this, to go to America Without Drivers, look at the mission statement, and then do the Ben, ben Shabero and Tucker Carlson debate. And that speaks why I'm out here. And why I push so many things because it's well, not, well, not I'm against gonna, it. I'm gonna put your website. Uh, I'm gonna do like an email and put a bunch of notes out after this. So I'll put your link in there. So okay, each one of you who's up here, I'll put something in there. The Tucker Carlson and Ben Shabero explains everything that we were talking about today, and that's putting humanity over prosperity. All right. James or Edward, do you want to go? Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, look, you know, don't don't confuse our our in, uh, our intensity, passion with emotions. You know, we're just we're we have strong convictions here, and we're very passionate about it. So, uh, Adrian and other folks that made comments, um, you know, understand that where we're coming from. We see a lot of things. We've seen suffering. We've seen death, um, and we just want to decrease and, if possibly, stop. Uh, the extreme suffering that can come from extreme exploitation uh, from a big corporate, uh, big big data, big tech. Um, and so, you know, if you don't like the message, don't kill the messenger. Yeah, and uh, I've got uh, something else to, that kind of speaks to that a little bit. Um, the discussion that we had tonight was really great, and there's tons, tons and tons and tons of unanswered questions and plenty of room for skepticism and criticism about all of this technology and and you know, everyone's perspectives on this. Um, this is going to be something that's going to be evolving very fast. It's for to stay in front of. And the best way um, that people are, or that we're all going to get over this is not um, devolving the discussion down to a red team versus blue team or a white collar versus blue collar argument. Like fundamentally, like everyone is going to be affected by this change in trucking or in the broader economy. Um, so the best thing that we could all do is just be respectful and uh, um, have good, meaningful conversations to try to get ahead of this as best we can. Uh, cheers Thanks. to that, James. Yeah, sweet. Thanks for coming, James. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Reed, um, thanks for hosting this on your wonderful Discord channel. Uh, much obliged. Uh, thanks for everybody to coming and all your good questions and listening and putting up with all of us. Uh, there's a few drivers here and we all get a little bit chirpy and running over each other. And that's just the way she goes. Hey, eh, Bubs, not much we can do about that. But um, again, thanks very much for coming. I'm going to take the recording from this and release it as a podcast, uh, hopefully next week. 
And if you know anybody else who's interested in this sort of stuff, I have several interviews uh, going deeper into this with Will and Edward and James. This is part three, sort of in a roundtable series. I'm glad you guys were able to come and join us and be part of it. Uh, we might do this again. I know Reed is uh, always hosting stuff here and on Twitter uh, on various topics, including all you freight bros. So, um, yeah, again, thanks very much for listening and uh, cheers for having us, Reed. Yeah, no, it's, it was cool. I'm uh, I'm glad we did this. Uh, we'll definitely figure out a way to do it again, um, as well as all the other stuff we do. Um, appreciate everyone everyone's opinions and participation. Um, I mean, it's pretty fucking cool. I don't know who else is doing this, so that's that's chill. Um, yeah, I'll uh, I, this this whole thing was recorded. I'm gonna send it to Gord. I'm gonna also gather like notes and uh, or or links and to the people who participated and send out like a little mailer to, to everybody. I'll put it in the discord too. So we can connect with whatever all these guys are doing. So, so yeah, um, stoked. I thought, thought it was awesome. Um, and it's only going to get better. So thanks. Thanks for coming everyone. Hey, and I also want to point out that this was made possible by technology. So, uh, we're, we are all tech bros in, in the sense that we're on discord uh just just pointing that out so uh appreciate everyone coming out um let's uh let's just keep let's just keep chopping it up let's keep stirring the pot and let's i don't know man just keep doing cool shit so take it easy